Welcome to Broadcast with a capital BR. I'm your host, Gio, and we thank you for clicking that play button. Broadcast is an Apex Legends podcast. It is your number one ultimate source of Apex Legends related content from news, deep dives, ALGS coverage, community related topics, and of course, interviews. We have done quite a bit of interviews, and we have one today. And we hope that you will join us on our quest for knowledge and mastery as we explore Apex Legends together. With that said, this is a special episode where we would like to welcome Alex Grainer. You may know Alex from his recent article on EA.com called Sabotage Olympus Map, but he probably has influenced you in other games without knowing, right? Working on games such as Black Ops 3, Halo 5, and Battlefront 2, providing different levels and things you could download in other games. So with that, man, welcome, Alex. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Thank you for that intro, Gio. And I actually did not work on uh, Halo 5, Call of Duty, all them, just Apex professionally. All the rest were modded custom work. Modded stuff. Every time. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you can go and download those games, uh, those maps I made, if you have those games installed, for sure. Yeah, and you, you would be, it would be unfortunate if you didn't, because we'll talk about a little bit of them here soon, and they are really, really good. So if you have the opportunity to go do that, I know that on your portfolio, you put usually a download map here, and then you can go in and click that and download the map and play it, correct? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially on the the games and the maps that offered a custom lobby, for sure. Like uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, if you own it on Steam, like there was a whole link you could download it there. Um, and then Halo Forge obviously has a really in-depth system to download custom maps as well. So those two were great for it, and uh, Team Fortress 2 as well. You know, and like some, you know, a lot of these games, you know, I think of Overwatch in particular, where they added that whole, you know, community portion where people can develop their own things and, you know, you can do like play tests from the pros and all that kind of stuff. Those are some of the best times to play a game. So anytime someone takes time out of their life because they enjoy a game and they're passionate about it and create something for it, that's when you'll get the most out of it as a player because you know the person that's creating it has, has really enjoyed the game as well, right? Oh, for sure, yeah, and, and that's how I got my start. Like Halo Three, Halo Reach had some great custom game modes and maps that uh, the community like made for the public to play, and it was really fun getting together with friends and playing them. And then in Reach and um, Three Four Three era of Halo, like started incorporating those uh, mm-hmm. custom made maps into their actual rotations, and I thought that that's was like so the cool. coolest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool, <laughs> man. I, like uh, that's so awesome. That's cool. So, um. With that, uh, of course, we would like to welcome any of our first-time listeners. If you would like to become a part of the broadcast community, please visit our link tree at linktree forward slash br underscore broadcast, where you will find all of our links. So let's go ahead and get into our topic rundown here before we start the show um, and start asking Alex all kinds of questions. Um, so our topic rundown is, first off, we're going to do some quick announcements and quick topics. Then we've got icebreakers with Alex. We're going to talk a little bit about his history. I went into his portfolio. Um, if any of you all have ever listened to one of our interviews before, you know that is one thing I'm good at is going into portfolio and trying to ask questions about past works before we get to the current works, right? Um, and then, of course, we're going to be talking about his current works called Sabotage Olympus, right? So he was the one. Uh, I'm sure there's a whole squad of respawn people that helped on this update, but you were definitely one of those involved in this update in, in the different areas added and taken away from the map and, um, and all of that. So we will go into, uh, basically if you all saw it on the EA.com website, um, what I did was I structured this, this section, 
Um, basically, how the article flows is how we're going to talk about it. So um, if you would like to, whenever you got the podcast um, going, if you want to pull that up and follow along, you're welcome to do that. But that's exactly how we will do it. And then, of course, I've took questions from not only questions that I created, but questions from our community. I posted in the Discord and we had a bunch of people ask some questions. So I'm going to get those out there as well and maybe do some shout outs with that. So um, before we get into the icebreakers, here's our show announcements. So again, we're looking for a third host still. I'm not going to say much on that. Um, we've had quite a few people come on the show, test it out, see what if they like it. Um, none of them have really got back to me yet, but I'm sure um, they might after I just said that, right? Um, I think we have maybe one or two more people that's interested. I know we have one because he's a in he's one of my friends that um, if you haven't met him, he's in the he's in our Discord. His name is Day Day. Really, really great guy to play with. I actually met him gaming. And then we met in person. I got to take him caving and he spent the night on my couch. So really, really cool experience there. Just meeting someone in game. And then they, you know, they met my family. He met my wife. We went out to dinner. We, we've hung out all that kind of cool stuff. So hopefully uh, want to have him on the show and just kind of talk about life um, and then talk about apex. Um, so if you would like to become a host on BR broadcast or broadcast, um, just make sure you message me at geo number four, five, seven, four on discord. The next one, unfortunately, um, and I say this, this is really, you know, I'm really is a hard decision to make, but it was after a couple weeks of having weekly shows. Um, I'm just so, so busy. Uh, my wife works three nights a week during the middle of the week. Um, the, the Monday nights is now you got soccer. Friday nights has now got soccer and stuff like that. So I'm unfortunately going to have to move back to a biweekly show. So broadcast will still be happening and we'll still be covering um, apex and our two week our bi-weekly show will be a bit longer than our normal weekly show was but we are going to return back to that bi-weekly show and of course you know we'll still be doing the community polls we'll still be talking about lgs we'll still be talking about all the new things to come and of course if there's any big huge updates to come i will make sure to have a weekly show in that when that comes out right if if we hear somewhere in the future apex legends 2 because I don't know. I mean, there's a Warzone two, of course, coming. I don't. I don't really get it. But um, if we ever heard Apex Legends two, um, you would hear first about it, right? So that, there, that's not me shooting out any hints here. I'm just saying, like, I'm just kind of giving an example here. Um, and then lastly, we had a review. We had a review on Apple from Mal Malvo eleven. He said, "I or first he said, you are the real one. You are a real one. <laughs> I appreciate your openness and honesty about non Apex." topics whether it's news or family keep up the good work i'm a 34 year old mailman and a father of five i know right who is a mediocre gamer but a great dad and husband so i think right we all I, if you're a dad and you're a husband you always try to think you're doing your best and then like you have that one reminder that happens that it's like oh my goodness i'm really not that great but then you have that great moment with your kids where like yeah it's awesome um but he says i'm addicted as heck to listening to all the podcasts watching twitch and youtube I've been playing since the end of season eight in my spare time, mainly once the little ones are in bed. I understand you on that one. I'm a Rev, Ash, Valk, Fuse, and Rampart type of guy. That's a, that's a, you're, you're a, you got a lot of different things going for you. Random as all to be, but I know I can just settle on one main. Just started to really play rank this season. My question is, how do I find you guys on Discord so I can play with you guys sometime if you're down to help a brother out? Um, P.S. What did the ocean say to the beach? nothing it just waved 
Yeah, we do dad jokes, Alex. I don't know if you listen to the show much, but I've just now incorporated dad jokes in the show. So apparently the be- <laughs> the ocean wave to the beach. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I'm always down for a good, good dad joke. Yeah, yeah, man. We I've added I had this little book with animals and uh me and my kids were read I try to read to my kids every night or we were doing that and uh it was a joke book and I brought it on and was reading, you know, a page at a time on the show. So very, very fun there. And Malvo, just to answer your question here, um, if you want to get us on Discord, make sure you just go to the link tree in the description below, or you can just add me on Discord at geo number five four five seven four. I'll invite you to Discord. And we will get some games in. I am all, every time I get in um, to the Discord, I am on the voice channel, and I'm willing to play with anybody. I don't care what your level is. I don't care, um, you know, if you have kids in the background. We will play together um, and have some fun. So with that, that's really all of the um, you know announcements. Uh, Malvo, uh, you know, thank you for for putting out there um, all of these nice things you said about the show. And of course, for anybody else that would like their um, the rating to be read on the show. Just make sure you go to Apple Podcasts, find our show, and leave a five star review because that's the best review ever, right? Um, and let us know how you feel about the show, and it'll be read here live on broadcast. So, with all of that said, let's go ahead and move into some icebreakers. So, with any guests that we bring on, you know, we want to know a lot, like, we want to know what they do because we always bring on people that are in some way associated with you know, content creation or now, you know, development um, when it comes to Apex. But I like to find out a little bit about their life and kind of break the ice there. So uh, first off here, Alex, we've got some fun questions about life. And then we've got some fun questions about Apex Legends because I know you play. I see you online quite a bit. Um, So I'm super excited to get your opinion on it because we've never got to play together, even though we said recently we need to. Yeah, Um, But we're always three. We always have a full squad, right? So Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every time, every time you're on, I always have a full squad, and I feel really bad because we've known each other for over a year now, and we still yeah. haven't played with each other. So we'll we'll definitely make it happen for sure. Oh for yeah, sure. we'll we'll do like a live stream or something of us playing together, and I'll put oh, both our better. little cameras up there, and we'll do some <laughs> cool stuff with it. So first off, let's go ahead and start off with some question about life. We just have a couple of questions here because we want to get to the meat and potatoes mashed potatoes right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for anybody his name on like stuff is mashed potatoes so um so yeah that, that's what that was <laughs> um so what do you do in your spare time apart from gaming and apart from developing and working apart from gaming and working man okay so um I, I do a lot of gaming um i try to at least for my for the game industry it's always good to keep up with current trends uh, seeing what other games are doing, especially BRs, like it's always really cool to see how other games um, are incorporating new mechanics. So I'm always trying to play games, even single player games, see what it's good to keep up on current trends and just like everything influences me, movies, uh, shows, any sorts of media, um, to even music videos. So when I'm not playing games because it is exhausting, I'm usually just kind of these days uh, since it's kind of the end of the pandemic um, mm-hmm. and I can't go out as often. But I'm usually watching movies, catching up on shows, um, or just got, uh, got really into cooking recently. I think that's a really good de-stressor. That's a, just away from screens, um, and it's also something you can enjoy yourself. Uh, yeah. So that's always really cool. So I'm actually trying to get into cooking more. Um, nice. 
but like healthy, yeah. like health goals. Is that why it started or what? Uh, but mainly because of uh, saving money too. This is something go. I've been trying <laughs> yeah. to do uh, since ever since I got my job out here over three years ago. Cause in up until college, I always had like the cafeteria or restaurants or friends to do the cooking for me. So um, I thought it was time to move on into adulthood um, yeah. and really start picking up cooking. And I recently just made pizza by myself, or not by myself, but with uh, my girlfriend. Um, nice. And it was, it was actually really good. I've never made pizza from scratch before, from the crust, the sauce. It was great. It was awesome. Um, yeah. So definitely, I think that's going to become my new like forte. If I wasn't a game developer, I'd probably <laughs> be a pizza maker full time. I feel that. I'm trying to get better at it. You know, like I told you before the show, I, I just started my 10K route to 10k and then my goal my real goal is a half marathon by next summer but i'm a big dude i weigh 275 pounds i'm a i've always been stocky uh my knees hurt and being a dad my back hurts but whenever i usually set a goal i hit it like you know whenever i wanted to bench press over 315 i did it when i wanted to squat over 450 i did it It it's just so hopefully i can do it the biggest problem for me though is the food like mm-hmm. I suck. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the hardest part. Cause I'm, I also uh, weightlifted a lot. I'm sorry oh, to really? get back into okay. it. I started going to the gym a few months ago again. Now that's nice. for open up around here. So um, yeah, totally, totally get that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm 255 myself. So yeah. We're big boys. Lots of meat, protein. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> love that especially. Protein. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing, I was doing CrossFit there for a while. A lot of people in the show, uh, <laughs> listen to the show know that. And man, I could not get enough carbs and protein. They wore me. And I'm actually going to start CrossFit here again in the summer, but I I needed to stop because I got diagnosed with arthritis in my knees. So I had to stop CrossFit because it was a lot of box jumps, a lot of jump rope. Um, I don't know. And then one day I said, you know what? I'm going to get, I'm going to try running again. And I've started building weird muscles around my knees. So maybe just maybe if I keep going, then when the summer hits, I can start doing the CrossFit because I was, I really wanted to hit, you know, a really strong power clean, a really strong uh, clean and jerk. I was, I was push pressing almost 300 pounds over my head. So, you know, I was doing some stuff there, man. Um, I was, I, yeah, my last video I recorded at CrossFit was 275 push press. So I was getting there. That's incredible. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was that's great. Really good. <laughs> yeah, man. It was awesome. That's crazy. Um, so, well, that's cool. I'm glad to know that we have similar interests. If it's not video gaming, um, of course, I don't think you have any kids, right? If, if no, you had kids, no, no, no. It might be a hobby, man. So, no, that's uh, a full-time job. Yeah, yeah, you're not joking. <laughs> you're not joking at all. So, But it sounds like other than the kids part, we do about the same thing. So, really, it's you know, it's just that we live states apart. So, maybe if we didn't live states apart, we'd hang out and, and do that. Oh, yeah. So, that's pretty Dude, cool. Dude, I'm in desperate need of a gym buddy. So, yeah. Oh, man, I feel If you, you, ever, if you ever find yourself LA side. Hit me oh, up man. for sure. Well, I might be there next summer. I'll hit you up. I'm, I'm going, I'll be in San Diego, but I don't know. Let's, uh, I don't know how far that is from LA. Probably about. Is it, depending on traffic, depending like on, yeah. two and a half to three and a half hours. So it's uh, not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. So, all right, man. Well, I saw on your website that you've got quite a few good games. So you said you've been playing some solo. Have you, the question, have you jumped on the Elden Ring bandwagon? Do you, I'm very close to, um, Oh, I've man. never been a fan of from software games. I don't like a. I play single player games um to, for the immersion. So like my favorite game trilogy of all time is the Mass Effect trilogy, the original. Okay, ones. yeah. Um, love the story. Love to be immersed into these worlds and characters, and um, just can't get enough of that. Um, mixed with good 
great gameplay, obviously. Um, but if I'm looking for a challenge, something to master, I'd much rather put that effort into a multiplayer game. Um, so like Apex mm-hmm. or Halo or something something that's actually, it feels nice um, just to, I don't know, beat real people, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I've never, I could never get into the Elder, or, um, like from software games. I've tried with uh, Dark Souls uh, to Bloodborne. It's just not my cup of tea. But I hear yeah. great things about that game, especially the open world design. And as someone who's not a huge fan of open world, um games this one definitely piques my interest like there's just seems like a piece of gold nugget everywhere on this massive map so i've been definitely i'm getting very close but i know me as a gamer i it's just not my cup of tea but yeah i'm gonna buy i don't know are you do you know much about like the steam deck that's coming out that's been that just came out Mm -hmm, i've heard about it yeah so i'm gonna when i buy the steam deck which i mean i found out the other day i'm past q3 so I won't even be able to get my Steam Deck that I ordered this December or last December until next December. So it it sucks. But, you know, one of the playable games on there is Elden Ring. So I will definitely play that game. So what other games have you played? I saw Halo Infinite. So Halo and Apex, totally different games. Is Halo just kind of like a nostalgic thing for you? Or is it like you love the level design and that's kind of why you like playing it? Yeah, so Halo's always had a special place in my heart as a gamer. It's like Halo 2 was one of the first video games I ever played as a kid. I was, oh man, how old was I? Like first grade? Um, mm. And I, I loved it. Um, got beat by my friends all the time, but it was just awesome. Uh, played nothing like it before. Um, and ever since, been a huge Halo fan. Um, oh, yeah. So I've, even in the, the 3 for 3 years, I've always come around to the Halos and just kind of spent a lot of time in their multiplayer. Um, mainly Halo 5 with their Forge, because we had a really in-depth forge and as someone who could quickly make cool maps and have all the game yeah. mechanics already like essentially made and i could just get some people on the online community just to help test me test maps it was like, it was a great um experience as a aspiring level designer um and then yeah. infinite came out and it's like it's like the perfect modern halo experience in my opinion it just needs um i, w- I would love to see more maps like obviously i can't get enough mm-hmm. maps and stuff and um would love to see more of the like kind of wacky classic halo um designs experimented with again because uh, these maps seem very designed for competitive play which is great for ranked but as a uh for casual uh long time halo fan i would love to see their take on like some um oh man i'm totally blanking on like on a lot of the names of the maps but the guardian's always a classic one yeah um, yeah the one with the Valhalla. big wheel Valhalla's, oh, that, that's great. That They've tried to replicate that one several times. Yeah, and I think even in this new one, they have one that's similar to Valhalla, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's just like desert with Valhalla, the, the launchers, and I'm just like, uh, Yeah, apparently uh, one of their big oh. team battle maps was heavily inspired Valhalla. I kind of see it in pieces, but it's, it's um you can't remake Valhalla without remaking Valhalla. Like, that's just, yeah, that's yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's special sauces in its basic kind of just layout it's essentially a single hill in the middle with two fortresses and it's like blood gulch like you exactly. can't really make a blood gulch 2.0 you just kind of learn what made it well and try to do something different with it oh yeah and then i did see that you you mentioned spider miles morales remastered the now do you have a ps5 is that yeah 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 so after uh oh man a he's half, one of I'm these sure. guys yeah. yeah i got a ps5 <laughs> and then i also was able to snag a new xbox as well so i'm all up to date i've got the oh, trifecta yeah, so yeah. now now does the spider-man miles morales look as good as people say it looks like that great i mean i i think it looks really good um i think it, most of it's in the 
like you have to play it to kind of really see it because there's so many effects going on. That's why I didn't want to get it for the PlayStation 4, which I also have. I wanted to wait till I had a PS5 because it's it's, it's all the reflection, um, the lighting. Um, like you go up to like a window in that game and like the reflection, it reflects everything behind you. And it's, it's just the fidelity of that game is amazing. So I don't know if it's always going to get captured on like watching a video of it, but playing it, I'm like, holy, this is this is really incredible. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And then what other games have you been playing that uh, that have consumed your time other than those kind of games? Recently, um, when I'm looking for more of a chill experience, like I've been going to Ghost of Tsushima, uh, another PlayStation 5 um, mm-hmm. game that they uh, I was waiting for the PS5 to get, the director's cut. Um, I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of open world games, but something about this, just like the Japanese culture and like just the fighting, it's just, and the, the goriness is obviously something oh, yeah. that appeals to me too. So I don't know, just like going around and, exploring these worlds also the environments are beautiful in that game so it's i i could just spend all day walking around that um but other than that i'm just kind of those are kind of like the main games i've been playing like in recent need of just single player just calm after a long day just Mm. just chill chill vibes so oh yeah man well that's super cool man so you know really you know for me i've been playing apex of course because most of the time that's like if i want to talk about the game i gotta play it right and sure. I've enjoyed it. I've tried to go more casual recently. Probably next season is the season I'll hit diamond. Probably I'm really wanting my first diamond. The first time I hit diamond to be on Kings Canyon for some reason, like I couldn't do it back in the day, but I can do it now. I know I'm good enough for it. I just got to grind. The hardest part is grinding. Cause a lot of the nights that I choose to grind are the days that the next day is horrible or it's like a long day. And then, of course, anytime I grind, I give up time with my wife and sure, there's yeah. that. Right. But mm-hmm. I've been playing uh, my switch, you know, of course that I mentioned I had, um, you know, I've been playing fire emblem. Have you ever heard of that game where it was like, it's like a tr- strategic game, really mm-hmm. super, yeah, yeah, super cool. Yeah, yeah. So I've been playing that and it's piqued my interest. Like you fall in love with these characters that are your students, which is really weird to say, but you fall in love with these characters and one of you, I think you can get, get married to one of them, which is kind of creepy. But and you couldn't do that nowadays. Uh, and then you like build them up to like be these warriors and you're fighting people and you're finding out about this backstory about your mom and your dad and really cool. There's like three different like ways you can do it because you can join which house you want to join and all that good stuff. So it's really, really cool. I, I encourage anybody to check it out. And then after this, I want to be Hades. Hades looks right. Like super dope. Like, just escaping hell and seeing how many times it takes you to escape hell just sounds mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah, I hear nothing but great things about Hades. Oh man, and it looks beautiful. Like I can't, I cannot wait to. Like, my wife, I got, my, I had my wife get it for me. She's like, "Why? When are you gonna play this?" I, like, I gotta beat Fire Emblem first. Then I probably gotta beat Pokemon Arceus. And then mm-hmm. if I don't beat that by the time Pokemon Scarlet comes out, then I've gotta beat. I, it's like I, I'll eventually get to it, but I know I now I, ha- I have it in my possession. Don't go, got to go buy it. I've got it now. I, I can get to it when I want to. So, so yeah. So really cool there. So I guess let's go ahead and hop into Apex Legends um, and then we'll hop into your history. So speed round, uh, right? That was, that was totally like nerdy there. Um, so favorite gun, favorite map, uh, favorite POI and your least favorite POI and your favorite legend. So let me know. Give me a speed round of all of those. Okay. So favorite gun um man the basic basic apex player in me wants to say the r301 it's just the most consistent laser beam mm-hmm. in the game but to flare it up i'll i'll probably say the r9 i think that's just such a 
there's so many unique guns I love using, like the Wingman, but I, I got to go R9. That was like one of the first guns I ever picked up and played, um, even before Apex shipped, and loved it in the playtest. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, <laughs> just, it's just a it's just a fun gun to use and very um, devastating in close quarters. But um, oh, yeah. let's see, favorite favorite map. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I got to probably go with King's Canyon. Like, it's just, I think it's the nostalgic, nostalgia doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, but it just, King's Canyon was like the perfect map for Apex to ship in. And it's, it's really cool to see how far the game has come since then. Um, obviously oh, yeah. it's, the, it's the map that's had the most changes to it. And, uh, it's, it's the first map I made, uh, my first, um, shipped content on with, a, uh, with Octown or Octane's Gauntlet, I guess is what it's officially called. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah, King's Canyon is just kind of a staple to Apex. And, but I, I honestly really like aspects of all the maps, but, um, mm-hmm. I'm a little biased cause I, I also really like World's Edge and current olympus because i made um significant changes to those maps as well so um least favorite poi hmm uh it's a tough one and it can be one that's been removed too right that had to be just don't say skull town or you'll break my heart and watch in the podcast <laughs> no i i always like skull town um I'm trying to think least favorite uh i i gotta probably say probably not least favorite, but I think it was some of my weaker work was uh, the outs- the original Wraith Labs. Um, like the inside was really cool. The the gameplay hook yeah. of the portal in the sky was really cool, but the outside could use some love. And I'm I'm really glad um, Davis made some really good changes to that exterior yeah, platform, platform and it made it connect with this whole new capacitor thing and just made it a way more interactive and accessible. So yeah, it's a cool it's a cool one. So if that's your least favorite, then what's your most favorite? Oh man, that's a tough one. I gotta say, so super. There are so many good ones, um, and even limited to my own. Like I'm, I'm super biased, but I, I gotta go with the Mirage Voyage. That was the most. Oh man, yeah. Just my that was like my magnum opus, and um, the fact that I was also the one who had to remove it for World's Edge ME2 back in season six. I mean, it oh, it, it, it was it, we had to remove <laughs> it because of technical limitations. Actually, um, yeah. it actually wasn't a design decision, but um. It had to happen, so but I, I really miss every day. I miss I miss landing on that thing. And that was the most fun thing I've ever ever got to work on. So Oh yeah, man. And when it where it was on World's Edge was just amazing. Now the where they put it on King's Canyon, like in the open out there floating, I wasn't a real big fan of that because it like you had to you people knew you were there. So now the redeploy on it was really good. Like to to get out of it, it was fine. But like when you fought there, there was no escaping. You couldn't jump off. You had to like they could basically shoot you. But man, where it was on World's Edge was just amazing. Such a such a good. You always heard the music going off, and you're like, "Let's go!" And then like four teams would land there, and it would be like a little mini Skull Town with like it was so great. So I'm super. I hope it comes back soon. Yeah, I had nothing. I had no involvement on placing it in Kings Canyon, but I thought it was really interesting. I, I was like, "How are you guys going to make this work without any ground below?" Because the whole point mm-hmm. was for people to zip line up to it in different ways. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really sad it's it's gone. But maybe it'll come back. Hopefully, maybe if they here yeah. they would have to build a new one because I technically crashed it in a Party Crasher the arena map. So you did so, which guess, is a canon yeah. in the lore. So we'll see. So we can't bring it back. No, if he has the funds to make a new one, that's, that's yeah. my pitch. He might, he might have the funds. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. He spends all his funds on ladies probably. So, or, or, or uh, pork chops, right? Is that what, yeah. I think that's his thing. Pork oh chops. yeah. Yeah. Pork chops. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely had to add pork chops uh, to his town takeover, his party ship. Of course. Wouldn't have been. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so then what, what is your favorite? Who is your favorite legend? Man, dude, I'm, 
I got a, I mean, probably nostalgia, but probably Pathfinder. I've been maining him okay. since day one, and he's just my favorite. Just grapple hook me around, and it, it reminds me of like Titanfall two days, because um, just zipping around on the grapple hook was the most fun thing ever. It kind of broke the design of a lot of maps and. Um, back in the day, uh, Pathfinder was the only legend we had to really be concerned about when designing maps. It's like, can Pathfinder get up here? Eh, it's just a single grapple or something. It was so easy. <laughs> Those are the days. Oh, yeah. Now we have Valk and uh, Lobas and um, Horizons. Yeah. I can just get up on top of everything. So. Or Pathfinder. Everything that made Pathfinder the best, like you know, being able to be the only one that scanned the recon beacons. Well, other oh, yeah. yeah, recon beacons. Like being able to get high ground. Like. You now have like Horizon who can do that. You have Valk that can take off. Um, but still, man, the accessibility that you can get with his like and like the directedness, I guess you would say, that you can get with his ult is just, you know, there's nothing that beats that. And there's nothing that beats his personality. It's just like having, you know, Mirage is not the best character to have on your team right now. Not really meta, but like having a Mirage on your team is just hilarious. So it makes up for it tenfold. Um so I guess the, the one question we always ask our guests is if you could have one character's abilities in real life, what character and what ability would it be? So it could be a passive, a tactive, a tactical, not a tactive, or, or even an ultimate. And then why would you choose to have that? Mm. Man, I got to, that's a tough one. There's so many. If we have to limit it to one, I would probably pick Mirage just because I can duplicate myself and create my own mirage party anywhere and just be like the life of the party and especially in um in uh work from home because i live alone it'd be great to have another person like just kind of to talk to it's kind of depressing but i think it'd be funny i think that's really funny and if if it, for actual ability i'd probably go with pathfinder because i would love to zip around with uh oh, yeah, without man. fall damage yeah yeah, yeah. without so, yeah. <laughs> no fall damage oh yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah now we can't weigh as much as pathfinder i think he what does he weigh like a million pounds or something like that. Yeah, it's like... He's, he's got to. I, I haven't actually dug too deep into the lore books. I have them. It's on my read list, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's somewhere he's got a way. He's a thick pounds. boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, well, yeah, that's cool, man. I, I feel the same. You know, when I get to work being a GIS person that, that codes and, you know, does all the background computer stuff, I, I immediately close my door. And then like, unless somebody really needs something from me, I don't get bothered, but then that gets so lonely sometimes. So like having, having people pop in is always great, but I couldn't imagine like working from home. I told, like I told them right off the bat, I was like, look, I have four kids. I will come to work and get Corona if I have to, cause I already had it twice anyway. Oh, I said, I'll come to work and get it because I don't, I can't be at home with my kids and work. It, yeah, I said, it won't be, yeah, it won't be productive at all. So, um, yeah, end up getting that stuff twice, and it was not good. It sucked, but hopefully we're past a little bit of that, right? We're seeing mask uh, stuff being lifted. You know, I don't longer have to wear a mask at work. I mean, so hopefully the pandemic that's plagued the, you know, the, even like video game companies, almost everything economically um, is now coming at least to a point where we can kind of look past it, but we'll see right it's been a crazy 2022 or 20 really 20 end of 2019 all the way through the beginning of 2022 has been just like this down time for america and then now you've got war going on all kinds of crazy stuff going on and so it just never ends right the life just never ends so um but yeah so in that speaking of life that's exactly what we wanted to do here was just 
have a little bit of fun, break the ice here before we move into the business. If you listen to True Crime Garage, you will know what I'm talking about. Um, like they say, let's get in the business, Mr. Captain. Uh, <laughs> love true crime. Love true crime. So let's go ahead and move into our next uh, topic, which is history. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, I like to look at their portfolios, the resumes of our guests, and really break it down. And of course, if you would like to follow along, um, it is literally just alexgrainer.com. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's it, it's literally just typing in his name.com. I'm very, very, very creative there. Very easy. I like it. I like it a lot. That's the reason I have the name Geo. It's super, super easy. <laughs> so um, the first off, I really just wanted you to give us um, kind of uh, what you do as a level designer. For those who don't know, um, Alex, of course, the reason we're interviewing him is he works at Respawn. And over the last two to three years, he has worked on Apex Legends. Uh, we'll talk more here in a little bit about what he's brought to Apex Legends. But for Respawn, he is a level designer. And, and the first question is, what do level designers do? Who do they really work with? And how do you come? Uh, well, we'll talk more about the finished product. But what exactly is a level designer? And what what uh, does Respawn expect of you as a person that works there? Yeah, so level designer um, is a really, really... Uh... It's tough to explain, especially if you don't know game development. But essentially what we do is we create uh, your maps. Uh, so think of it like Call of Duty, Halo, your multiplayer maps. And we build these environments with like very basic primitives just to get the metrics down. And our main focus, unlike environmental artists or people who are concerned with making the map look pretty, um, we are concerned with the player experience. So we put gameplay first. Um, so in a sense of a multiplayer map, like how big can this map be? Where do you want people to have these fights? Where did this cover go? Um, and understanding geometry and angles on like, um, if it, like you can have the cleanest gameplay in most fun gunplay in the world, but if your maps are just empty concrete squares, mm -hmm. that fun's only going to last for like two matches. Um, so having intricate maps that, um, and we look at like a game's um, mechanics. So like Halo, it's jumping and shooting and uh, higher TTK than Halo. So how, or higher TTK than Call of Duty games. So how can these more open environments um, use those mechanics to create really fun player experiences? And um, I've, I've heard level design for multiplayer games. Like how do you herd the cattle, right? Uh -huh. So like um, off spawn, how do you get people to go to these combat spaces and get people to move around? And um, obviously in VR navigation, um, is a oh, really yeah. big part of Apex. So how uh -huh. do we? I've never made a full map myself. That's that's really really hard. Um, but whenever I'm updating a map or placing new POIs, it's always like, how do people interact with this new POI? How are people going to get in and out of it? What's the surrounding like? Um, how do people fight within the town out of it and vice versa? Um, these are all things that we have to keep in mind. And then once we have a few weeks of testing and iterating and experimenting. Uh, we work with other departments and it essentially becomes design handoff, like no more big changes because artists now need to go in, replace all my brushes and primitive shapes with actual models that are optimized and actually look are detailed and look pretty. Um, and it's much it's much harder to change stuff once an artist has spent days or weeks making something look pretty. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need to change this and make this wider. It's like, no, we can't do that. Like we don't have the time for that anymore. <laughs> so um, it's really important to under see things from the player perspective and really have your kind of like um high level goals you want for your map so the the good example i always say is um like mw2 um mm -hmm. wasteland is this big open it's meant to be a sniper map right so yeah. but it, it centers more condensed for more um 
like close quarter range fights. But overall, every design decision on that map, I'm guessing, was made to make it a sniper map. Yeah, so yeah. Um, just and then shipment, on the other hand, is a super squared off close quarter map. So how do you just design for a more skirmish, quick arena? So um, just different desires for gameplay experiences is uh, is going to deter- determine how you design and approach your map from the get go and then iterate it. So yeah. It's yeah. so pretty much level designers are responsible for maps and POIs uh, from start, from concept. We're usually the one who's coming up with the theme, the location, um, and then all the way through till ship. So we're also bug fixing. We're working with all these different people and departments. Um, and then for map updates like Olympus ME2 that just came out this season, um, I have to work with marketing and um, talk to press and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty much just from start to finish. You're kind of molding what this map is and responsible for it um uh throughout and working with a lot of awesome people yeah i think what i think of whenever i think of level design you can tell me if i'm wrong i really think of just minecraft you know minecraft is like minecraft you're doing the building blocks of this awesome world that you want to create but in reality minecraft doesn't get past that very often like you'll never see the beautiful landscapes some people do some crazy stuff on there don't get me wrong there's some things on there that i'm just like holy crap but like you really just see this this like square structures that come together to form something that you're trying to bring to life. But then like if I wanted to go past Minecraft, you'd have to almost create a separate game where people could come in and add the details. So you guys like I feel like level designers are those people that first originally like first originally create that Minecraft world. And then later on, the people that come in are, are not the level designers. They're more or less what they take from you. And they get you know, they ask you like how can we change this area? And they are like, you ask them, how can we make this area pretty kind of thing? Is that kind of like what it is? Kind of. Minecraft is also very limited because it's all blocks. So you can only make, unless you go really big, you can then start yeah. getting like curves and circular shapes. But um, level designers essentially like here's, especially in our level editor, um, it's very similar to hammer or like source. So we're working with brushes. Um, so you can make any shape you want. And that's where understanding of geometry, like if this hallway is at a 90 degree angle or 45 degree angle, how does that affect players lines of sight? And how does that affect players? How do they move in this space and therefore combat? Um, whereas like Minecraft is a little more on a basic level, but yeah, I actually made levels in my free time back in um, college and stuff in Minecraft because it was kind of just a good way just to get understand like level design, create your own environments. And within that you can work with the red blocks and stuff and, create your own events so it's like creating a mini like single player experience in a way um so yeah yeah for sure yeah so if you want to get started go ahead and start on minecraft so my seven-year-old is on his way oh he's on his way actually my seven-year-old watches minecraft videos of other people playing minecraft more than he watches he plays minecraft so whatever (laughs) i can't say much I, i do much different so so cool so you know if you're interested in level design really um what you can do exactly what I did and what some of the things we're going to ask about here is, is check out his website. It's really, really jam packed full of, you know, some of these things we're going to talk about here in a second. He kind of breaks it down. We won't have enough time to break things down, uh, but I have some questions about uh, the different things that you've done over the years. But if you really kind of want to see it, my favorite so far on your website is the from the ashes battlefront Two. you really do a really good article of, you know, providing video, looking at your row, talking about design docs, getting the images of of the the early um, Darth Vader's uh, burial site, 
uh, to like all kinds of thing with that map. So, and we'll talk about that here in a second. I want to speed too far into it, but it looks like that just, it just, that impressed the, the heck out of me. So the first thing that let's talk about in 2017, now I'm pretty sure uh, the way that you act, you were kind of in college when you worked on this funk unplugged game that was from vamped games. It was a 3d platformer um, where you can use your musical powers to save the world. But overall, you know, for you, it's kind of a, a starting place for what seemed to come in the future. It might've been a rough starting place or a, or a fun starting place to start out, but it, it looked, uh, you know, you can go back and watch some of the play um, that they've streamed on this game on his website. And it looks really like I told him before the show, um, like something that would be perfect for the switch, just kind of like a hangout game where you get you and your kids and uh, you know, maybe you and your wife could sit there and just like jump around this little area map and, and just have a little bit of fun, you know, trying to save the world through music. Um, but one thing I did see on the, your website that I thought was really cool was that you had some pictures of where you drew out the levels on paper. And so I really, really thought it's so cool, you know, cause that's how like my mind works is when I'm designing a script or something like that for, you know, manipulating data is I'll write out the steps one by one. And same way here is you kind of wrote out your work and drew it out. And then somehow it translated into this digital format that people can play today. And so I thought that was really, really cool. Um, so the question I had is how close was those paper concepts to those in-game levels that you created? And even today, if you still do this today, um, how close are those usually, or are they completely different most of the time? Yeah, so Funk Unplugs is an interesting story because that was um, a studio, an actual studio, um, super small indie studio, um, when in Chicago, made by some friends. And then I got to work with some friends on that project while I was also completing my senior year of college, while also working on all my uh, custom uh, Halo and Call of Duty maps. So I was yeah. really, really swamped with work at that time. Um, and I never worked on any 3D platformer. Even as a gamer, they weren't really my cup of tea. So I did kind of a lot of research on like, oh, okay, so this is the standard for um, 3D platformers. I think Mario Odyssey just came out around that time. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of learning. Uh, and I was pretty much given total free reign and li little like actual road mapping. So it was just like make a futuristic city with the, and here's your mechanics it's like okay cool um and then i worked with an artist who's a who i already knew prior to um just by dumb luck we were all friends um and then we he just made modular pieces based on my environments and um just for me i like to start off on paper sometimes depending on what i'm working on but if i have the time i'd like to uh, especially for a single player game which i've never worked on uh at the time um still really hasn't haven't really worked on a single player experience professionally yet but um yeah, just to get a sense of like, okay, here's the first area. These are where I want the collectibles placed. And then that would open this door to get you to the second area. And then like, how does this all form together to create a cohesive experience um, that seems well paced um, uh, from start to finish and enough collectible and action and um, kind of a navigational puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. So just kind of collect doing all these things that I kind of saw the initial levels for this game kind of have, and then just put my own twist on it. And then how can I incorporate a futuristic city environment to aid some of these mechanics? Um, so you see, you see some of that in the breakdown, but I would say back then, because I was so uh, crunched for time and also ex very uh, not as experienced as I am today as a level designer, uh, those paper concepts were actually pretty similar um, because we also didn't have much playtest as a studio. So it was yeah. probably just me yeah. and my friend running through it and it was like, yeah, this is good enough. So 
Um, but now it's like, oh man, why did I design it like that? That's terrible. <laughs> um, so it, which is like the same for all my previous work. So no, man, I think like really, man, like I, my favorite part of it is the color scheme. I really like the purple and like the, like for some reason, the color purple that you use the brighter purple is often, you know, whenever you look at futuristic games, that purple is usually always there. Like, I think cyberpunk kind of had like this bright purple to it. And I, and I really like when I saw it, I was really impressed because for someone who was just learning and swamped, like it looks cool. Like the cityscape looks great. Um, uh, you know, I'm waiting for that in Apex. I'm waiting for my urban map. I mean, we have the below Olympus right now. Um, I was really devastated when I heard that there might be a moon map, which we don't have to talk about, but I was hoping there's an urban map coming. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but like, you kind of have that down in this game, man. It looks really good. So uh, I thought that was so cool. But it's cool that just know that even when you were in college, you were still, you know, play or you know playing with all your tools that you now use on a daily basis and that that's really cool to see here in this futuristic city um and so if you definitely want to play that game make sure you check out his website um it looks like you can still play it um on steam powered so you know drop in and have some fun you know just waste away some hours on on a fun game that's not apex you know do a little less sweating um so the next one actually is halo 5 right it's called is it ulterior is that right is it, i think so right? yeah, yeah yeah i think so yeah so ulterior what i really liked about it was the rock features um paired with like the darkness so i really liked how you created this dark scene like this level it's really dark um but like the tree in the middle or the tree somewhere in the map i can't really tell exactly from here um but the tree is lit up and it's kind of like this center beautiful piece in what seems to be this dark map. And then up from below, it looks like you have some water below that really has this like luminous blue light. And that, that was really, really cool to me. Um, whenever I first saw it. Um, and like I said, like I said in uh, our notes here is I saw where in this map you had to choose where to put power weapons. And so my question was, does this help you now in apex whenever you're placing loot bins and things like that to anything that's being picked up by players because obviously in halo the power weapons are very very important like if you can get a power weapon in your hand it's going to guarantee your team some points especially on like a team deathmatch sort of setting so how did that work then does that really translate to now when you're thinking about placing loot bins and things or what does that look like yeah so it's um uh, power weapon placement's always a really good way to start thinking like a designer like you don't want you want to put them in like more combat focused modes or areas not modes uh areas to drive conflict you want people to fight here and uh, to fight over this power weapon especially when it spawns in um so we try to we treat loot kind of similarly in the way of um the way i look at loot for apex legends is whenever i'm making a poi i like to think how does this poi look like from the dropship so from the sky so buildings any big natural structures and like loot bins that are like we call them tri bins the three loot bins you know mm-hmm. kind of like triangle yeah, around yeah, yeah. are extremely extremely um eye-catching for players on the drop oh, so yeah, they are. We, we try to cluster all that's intentional so we try to cluster okay this building's like a main drop spot and like across like the street would be another one so then you would expect okay one squad lands at this building the next one goes here if 
if two squads are already going to these buildings, we have like some loot bins over here for you to diverge off to. So mm-hmm. ideally, we want squads to land together in the same vicinity. And we, I usually try to break up PYs into different sectors. So like try to think like, okay, a squad could land here, a squad can land here, a squad can land here. And then if because obviously I don't want to land in the same building as my squad. Usually there's not enough loot oh, for yeah. everybody. So mm-hmm. usually there's loot or loot bins around that building. So you can kind of peel off off to, and, but your team is still together, right? And then once everyone's kind of looted or finds a good weapon, um, they're like, okay, I'm combat ready. Let's go across the street and start fighting each other. And then we start thinking of, like, based on where we place the loot and where we want squads to drop, we start thinking about, like, okay, this is how players would get between these core looting areas, which then creates the core loot routing for the map. And then it also creates our front lines for the POIs as well. So ideally where squads would begin to start fighting from each other. So I think Octane's Gauntlet's a really good example. You get the two yeah. big ramp buildings and then the center uh, top triangle piece. And then there's loot bins in like the corners around those yeah. buildings. Mm-hmm. And it just creates this very circular flow that you can have along these bridges or across the POI as well. And that's how I usually like to break up looting so it kind of acts as like power weapons but in a bit of a different way because if a poi is too hot it's like i don't want to push this tri loop in in the center of the map anymore it's more of like i want to back up and try to find a weapon then i'll come back type thing whereas um halo a power weapon you think of it more of like how to drive fights and get people out of their spawn so they're not camping as much i think that's that's how i look at power weapons so like a rocket launcher on a halo map is meant to drive people to the center of the map or in my mind should drive people in the center map um and get them off of camping and it's the big tool that a losing team can fight towards and kind of get the win at that clutch moment from or if a team is really sitting back in their spawn maybe winning they're not going to get these really powerful um like rocket launcher power weapon so you can then take it uncontested and then go into their spawn and destroy them exactly so shaking up the spawns that hopefully and stuff like that so it's just mid-game shifts that can benefit teams so we kind of i think that just comes down to thinking as a good designer like understanding what you're trying to get out of these power weapon positions and then what you're trying to get out of loot and what purpose does it solve so as a designer uh level designer uh game designer weapon designer uh you always have to think about what the game and experience you're designing for at the moment so Mm -hmm. um but I think there are a lot of parallels. We did look at Halo maps a lot when we were making arena maps. And because we oh, almost yeah. did add um, power weapons. I wanted to oh, add really? power weapons. Yeah, they, they would have been so cool. One of the issues I had was people sitting in spawns and just having these long-range pokey fights, which were really boring to me in arena. So mm-hmm. um, besides making more medium-sized maps um, or experimenting in that field, I also was like pitching weapon, power weapon plays. What if a Kraber spawns in the center of the map to, for that exact region? Like, yeah. So people aren't just sitting in their spawn side vantage points the whole round until the circle force them together but now there's an actual entity to start pushing towards and that's how the care package that drops mid game actually came to be yeah. um i would have just liked to have more than one so uh, oh yeah yeah but yeah no yeah man yeah i think of you know risk and reward really you know like two that pop up to me immediately um thinking about olympus in particular um oasis right there where you can sit like and you can see underneath you in the water and one thing, instead of having like a power weapon that you all have done really well is you've placed respawn beacons as kind of like this area where it's a risk and reward to go rest somebody because it's usually got a trial loop bin and then you got the respawn beacon in the middle and you have that on Oasis in the middle of Oasis. And then you also have it. Uh, one of the worst ones that I I have a hard time sometimes resing there is on in Bonsai where you can jump out of the window. Say you had a rough fight up there and you lost one of your teammates jump down the window in that little area down there. And it's like sitting, it's right there. So if anybody pushes in, 
like you're screwed. But the loot there is pretty decent, and like to be able to res there is is great. But man, the the risk sometimes on some of these respawn areas are 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 pretty pretty tough. But I think that could be intentional. You know, you don't want people to feel like you can res. I mean. If if you lost a fight, you shouldn't be able to res a teammate for free, right? You got to put some risk in it. So, really, really cool there. That you know, that's the first thing that popped into mind was bonsai and just the fact, like, how many times have I jumped out of that window up there to res somebody, and then like another team come from solar array randomly because they heard firing, and then, oh man, I'm in this little valley, this little small area that's you know low ground trying to res somebody, and then same thing with Oasis. Oasis was always hard to res that if there was multiple teams because you never knew where they were going to come from so such a big open center yeah exactly I, dave was the designer on uh, olympus and i'm i'm pretty sure all that was highly intentional um, oh yeah so let's watch people that, squirm in their seats <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but um yeah that, that's all yeah that's all responsibilities of the level designer uh respawn beacons um the the circle beacons i can't the survey beacons survey, survey beacons, yep, yep. like placement of uh, even tridents like all those spawns like all come down to level designer like where's the best spot to put these and i know that was that was something i had to do for the new olympus update as well because we pretty much expanded the whole map so yeah we yeah, talked we'll talk about that yeah, yeah yeah so many so many layers to be in a level designer here at respawn so exactly many. so and i saw that on this ulterior you credited some people that play tested it um so i had a question about play testing what does the process of getting play testers look like and how do they give you your feedback? Like, do you, is it kind of like a focus group where you get them together, they play test and then afterwards you meet and you're like, what's your feedback? Or do they like fill out a survey or how exactly do you get feedback from play testers? Yeah. So in college we would get, we would do the whole survey thing and it was the biggest waste of time. Like no one ever, no, rarely anyone actually filled it out. Um, and when mm-hmm. they did, it was like the most mundane, like basic it's like, I can't act upon this feedback type of thing, or it's like, really good job. It's like, I, this isn't like telling me good job is the worst kind of feedback you can tell exactly. me. Um, yeah. Also, it works on the opposite end, too. It's like, I hated this. It's like, well, why, why did you hate it? Um, and it gets extra tricky with multiplayer maps and actually modding for multiplayer maps. Um, and because I would reach out to community discords and stuff like, hey, you guys, I'm hosting a or like random people I met on matchmaking in Halo 5. I'd be like, hey, are yeah. you interested in joining a custom game? Like I'm testing a map real quick. Just I, we just need people and you can give me your feedback. Um, So I, just, I would get people of all skill level of all backgrounds. Uh, to be honest, a lot of the time it wasn't very good feedback. Um, oh, It was a man. lot of me prying like, OK, so why didn't you like this area? And um, this is something that's really important because. As a designer, you'll get all kinds of feedback, even internally back in the when we were tested daily back in the studio on Apex. Um, I would get feedback from all kinds of different designers, artists, and like a lot of them were in polarizing directions. But as a good designer, you need to be able to siphon through that and understand where the feedback's coming from, especially from a multiplayer game, because if people die, um, they're more they're more likely to not like it as much right but if they're do if yeah. they're winning it's like this is the greatest thing ever so this is the best map ever <laughs> exactly right and then the next game is like this is terrible actually it's like yeah so it's like okay so which is it so whenever someone has any feedback good or bad i try to pry them this is something respawn was really good at because we were such a gameplay pl- uh testing heavy culture oh yeah um, EA game changers right is that what uh, it is? No, even internally even internally at respawn like all the designers knew how to give great feedback or just like a- explain good. their experiences really well um and it's like i didn't like this area because i didn't feel like there was enough loot here 
and it looks like there should be, and I didn't have a weapon to fight, and I died right off someone. It's like, okay, that's valid. I, okay, not enough loot here, but this isn't meant to be a main looting area, so maybe that's an issue with the actual looting areas not being clear enough. So it's yeah. like understanding where the, all the feedback, good or bad, is coming from and being able to siphon through that. Um, exactly. Because you also don't want to be a... Another trait I see in a lot of designers is people act too... Uh, what's the word? Um they act too soon on feedback. So like someone gives yeah. them an idea and it's like, it could totally like uh, the wasteland um, from MW2. Mm-hmm. It's, it's meant and designed to be a sniper map. If someone's like, there's not enough place for me to run around with an SMG. It's like, well, yeah, that's well, the point. But then yeah. someone <laughs> might be like, Oh, you're right. Like I need to make this be work for people who like to run around, but then you lose uh, what you were originally going for on that sniper map. Exactly. Um, so being able to siphon through feedback. Um, so back in my modding days, the fact that I just got random players um, yeah. and I had some friends, honestly, my friends gave the best feedback because they were a little more, um, they knew me. So they didn't, they weren't afraid to hurt my feelings. I think that's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people are afraid to do. Um, so it, it kind of taught me to be a good designer and just really not, take feedback at face value but really dig in to see what the issue issue was so on um some of my call of duty maps it was uh i um, i really don't like this side of the map and it's like why didn't you like this area of the map it's like oh i kept dying and every time i would step into it it's like okay so there's not enough Mm. cover um and then i would start reworking it um but really understanding why they didn't like it. um, Same thing with good. It's like the worst. Oh man, this happened a lot too, is after a few games, I'd be like, so what'd you guys think? Nothing. Just like, it's good. It's all right. It's like, well, (laughs) give me something. I need, I like, I know it's not good. Like this is like the first iteration or second iteration. I need something. Um, So this is where um, watching people's feed, uh, like video, if if they can give me video of their playthroughs or, um, this is something we did at Respawn too, especially work from home. Um, if people can send me their gameplay like recorded and I can see how they played each round or each game and it's like, okay, this is not how I expected them to do that. This is an issue. Uh-huh. So yeah. just, it, it's just, it's just learning. So yeah, yeah, man, that's, yeah, that sounds, and that's probably what you guys do all the time. You know, probably yeah. whenever the, the day that you were the most alert and maybe watching Twitch, I don't know, maybe you watch Twitch streams oh, yeah. was like the day that Sabotage Olympus dropped and you're like, wow, people are actually using my areas and this is how they're doing it. And every, exactly. Everything, everything I shipped. Everything I shipped, I usually spend the next week um, watching just people play it on Twitch. Exactly. I, I try yeah. to watch people who are stuck gold, uh, people who are stuck diamond, and then the pros and top streamers. Everyone plays our game very differently, and you have to, as a designer, it's my job to make it approachable for all levels, but also um, just fun. So, yeah, I yeah. definitely, definitely watch people for sure oh, silent awesome. lurker so make sure you uh make sure you subscribe to br underscore broadcast there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah we yeah um if you ever want to watch a hard stuck plat four person which i did make it to plat three this season but uh if you ever want to watch a hard stuck plat four but most of the time it's not anything to do with the level design it's more or less the players you get um that that really screw it over because you know, you'll be with your other teammate and then the other teammate will be halfway to hydroponics to Elysium whenever you're stuck over in face driver. And you're just like, ah, yeah. are you still so, okay with <laughs> Am I? Yeah. Most no. of the time. Oof. Well, okay. well, I had, well, like it, it's off and on, but like I solo queued my way all the way from silver to uh plat platform. Yeah, I did. So, yeah. Same. I like solo I queuing. To play with my friends who were in diamond, I needed to get to plat. So yeah, oh, spent some time yeah. solo queuing as well. But, yeah, and diamond's a monster of its own, oh, man. Yeah. Diamond's oh, yeah. nasty. So. Diamond three, 
Oh, Jeez. disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move into your the last area that we looked at, uh, or I looked at for your resume here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the From the Ashes, a mock level design for Battlefield 2. Um, and that's Star Wars, correct? That's Yeah, that's Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not Battlefield, or Battlefront 2, not Battlefield 2. Battlefront yeah, yeah. 2. Man, I'm not going to lie, man. This looks great. Like, you know, I looked at this and I thought this would be something that, Whenever I played uh, Battlefront back in the days, like this is something that I would love to just have like one guy at one end with a lightsaber and me at the other end and we're working our way to each other. And then we have this epic lightsaber clash in the middle or something like that. And I know this is a mission level and it looks great as that. Uh, A lot of my Battlefront was all multiplayer, of course, but Mm -hmm. the missions were awesome as well. And I loved what you did here because I really liked the the back how you include the background of this like you're kylo ren you've been sent to this place to unleash your darkest powers i like how you said that to exact revenge on ewoks now like i told you before the show i couldn't believe you picked ewoks uh maybe you can enlighten us that but is it now was this your first time um that you did a mission type level uh versus your multiplayer level and then you know why did you choose to go the route of him killing little Ewoks? Uh, and then lastly, are you a Star Wars fan? Of course, I think you are. Um, and how did your fandom of Star Wars affect the level that you created? Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was actually a... So, throughout college, I was I knew I wanted to be a level designer. And I knew I wanted to be a multiplayer. F- more specifically, I wanted to be an FPS multiplayer level designer. So, I marketed myself, learned how to make Call of Duty Halo maps because I wanted to work on these games and Titanfall in, in my career. Um, so I, I learned all these skills to make good FPS multiplayer maps. And once I had a lot of good examples, like my Call of Duty and Halo maps on my portfolio, it was like, well, now I want to start making single player level design, which takes yeah. a whole nother set of skills, right? Um, to make myself more hireable because this was right before I started this project a few months before I actually even applied at Respawn. Um, mm. so I had a lot of free time and I was like, I need to like to get jobs at like Naughty Dog or, um, more single player based, uh, studios. Like I need to expand my horizon now that I'm pretty good at being an FPS level designer. I want to move and learn other level design skills and scripting, exactly. um, in, in an engine I wasn't as familiar with, which was unreal. Um, so, uh, to get started, I always like for single player games, I always like to have that po- power fantasy. So I was playing a lot of battlefront two with a EA 2008. One, I forget when it came out, but they had a mission in the in the campaign that was pretty cool, where you play as Kylo Ren chasing this rebel through. I think it's like the Force or something. It's like it's a mind weird Inception level. But I was like, mm-hmm. this is really cool, but it doesn't hit that power fantasy I really want as Kylo Ren. And I think this was at the height of Force Awakens as well. Um, so I was yeah. on that huge Star Wars high. So I was like, I just need <laughs> something really cool. And when I saw the whole like theory of like, well, Kylo Ren had to get Darth Vader's remains somehow. And it, it, since he was buried on Endor and burned there, like he had to go there. And I'm guessing Kylo Ren being the unhinged um, edgy guy he was, he's going to kill the remaining Ewoks there, get revenge. Um, and I'm like, that sounds like a really cool premise. And I know in a million years, Disney would never green light this. Um, so I was like, it, it, it's a cool enough premise for me to get really excited and make and want to make this um so i started just planning it out and i think having a really strong theme for me is what really gets my creative juices going um it was the same thing with the mirage voyage i remember our lead level designer at the time he came in and was like hey mirage 
holiday party you want is that interesting it's like hell yeah and then i just do a bunch of different steps so it's having a really strong present um like theme and um like just story and player experience to just get me excited and start creatively thinking is what is my secret sauce so um kylo ren killing ewoks um i thought it was really cool fantasy that i only me could pull off because i would never see it in a in a in a disney movie or a game so um, no, they'd be like, why are you, they wouldn't do that yo. because they'd be like, kids love Ewoks. We don't want to kill the Ewoks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and it, like to really pull this scene off, it would have to be full-blown edgelord. Um, yeah. And I would love it. <laughs> I obviously would terrorize the kids, but it would definitely establish Kylo Ren as a bad guy. So, Like Ewok um, heads flying everywhere. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> I've seen, I, to, I loved researching for this. Because uh, for every map I, I make, I once I have a strong theme and a setting and stuff, and since it was Endor, and I'm like, I want it to be rainy and gloomy and dark like that's the theme i'm going for um like looking up references of this and like i came across fan art of like darth vader with like decapitated ewoks and like them cut in half i was like this is so cool like this is this is the vibe i'm going for (laughs) um and as someone who is really new to um to doing single player stuff like it was just kind of a learning experience on top of that so i was learning how to um add foliage and make terrain and mess with this new engine um which i hadn't had as deep of a um interaction with prior to that um so it was just a really good learning opportunity and it got me really excited as a game developer if you're really excited um to start making stuff like that's that makes all the difference um, yeah just pick you get, something you're passionate about yeah oh, and then just go with it 100 percent, and um i've been fortunate enough to have that at respawn too like you have a cool idea like get something to get you passionate about like go make it so yeah that yeah. sounds great man yeah no if you know like i said i've plugged this plenty of times go to alexgrainer.com and check this stuff out it's really really cool and if you're someone that's maybe thinking video games are what i want to do for the rest of my life like this is a good place to look and, and like kind of like Look at the path he's taken. You know, he started out with the FPS because that's what he wanted to do. And then he's kind of worked his portfolio up just because he, you know, by learning other new things. And that's, that's what got him to where he is today. And, and probably will be what gets him to where he is in the future. And so, you know, not, not bad steps. I always, I always like seeing someone who's, you know, there's a lot of people that go to college and then they don't utilize it. Like they just sit back and kind of hope the world works for them. But then there's people like you who will will go to college, learn skills, apply those skills, and then do something with it. And then you get to be you get instead of going to work every day, you get to go do your hobby every day. And that's what just amazed me by this because you're you obviously have a, a passion and heart for it. And then you just now you work at a really good company and and you and you work for you know, a company that really puts out really good games. Um, and so you're able to contribute and apex legends, man, changed the battle Royale genre. Like you'd say like the, you know, Fortnite came in established PUBG and Fortnite established the battle Royale genre, but apex legends has really taken that genre and went places that no other game has went. And, and it's all due to people like you all who work at respawn and, and make all that happen. And as someone who podcasts about it, I get super excited about that. And, you know, as a player who just come to love it, like I hated battle Royales, man. Like I tell you, I hated it. Like, yeah, I was, a I was a overwatch guy. Abs- like the first time I ever played apex, I was like, Oh my God, this is not great. And then I went back to it. Something, something brought me back to it. And I was like, man, okay. So the, mo- the movement on this game, the, the, the different areas I get to fight in, it's like, 
it went from like Overwatch. I loved it because the different maps and, and the different fights that could happen. And then Apex, I was like, oh man, like you can really do some strategy in these POIs to make sure that you live. And then like the in-game strategy versus the beginning of the game strategy. And then like, you know, of course there's the ratting strat and there's all kinds of different things yeah. that you do. So really, really cool there. And, and, and like I said, this is really a really good place for you all. AlexGrainer.com to go check out how to get from zero to hero real quick. And hero, speaking of hero here with Alex, we've got the final topic for tonight, the sabotaged Olympus map update. So first off, the first thing I wanted to do here was talk a little bit about your contributions before we move straight into it. Um, so first off, it, you know, like he said, he's he was a part of a lot of the town takeovers. That's Octane's Gauntlet, that's Rafe Labs, and that's Mirage Voyage. Right. Um, and these are all um, one thing. These are all still existing today. No, other than Mirage, well, Mirage Voyage is is fragmented, but it's there. It's it's there. And it's the thing I like about Mirage Voyage, other not like any other really uh, town takeover is Mirage Voyage now has made its way into arenas. Right. You don't see I don't think there's there's am I right? There's no other town takeover that's made its way into arenas yet. So it's really yeah. just left a mark on the yeah. game, man. So that's really cool to have a town takeover be such a great POI for people that now we we know the influence of it. And so they, they moved it to an arena's map because they knew it would attract people. And so that's really, really cool to see there. Um, of course, out of all of these, you know, Octanes is just this constant rush of like jump pads and exciting, you know, areas to – and really good loot. You always try to go for the flame circle in the middle to get that nice armor or whatever's there. Rafe Labs is the is what we call the butthole. Yeah. That's what most I've people heard that call one. it. Yeah, so everybody and every, like it's it. Man, I remember when uh, Rafe Labs dropped. Everybody does that played. It was, was chaos, man. It was awesome, I, bro. I saw that because um, that was the second thing I ever shipped um, after Octa Octane's Gauntlet. And we tested it like maybe four squads would go here. It's like, OK, we have enough nodes for people to like mm -hmm. for four squads. It was half the lobby, like literally half the <laughs> exactly. lobby going into this giant portal. And I was like, they're laying on top of each other. It was chaos. And it came out with the um, armed and dangerous mode, which everyone had less mm -hmm. health than the shotgun sniper mode. Um, yeah. And it was it was pure tandemonium and i i could not <laughs> stop awesome. laughing it, like seeing all these streamers <laughs> and players like enjoying the hell out of this like nitro exp like gamer fueled mode and like mm. poi was the best thing ever um and oh, seeing man. that um and seeing after yeah. uh king's canyon mu2 back in season five um how it got updated and expanded upon like and seeing it still be a really relevant centerpiece is really cool so dude i mean let me dude that week was just nutty yeah. like we talked, I think I was on, I think I was on dropping spicy back then. And that was like, all you could talk about was race labs because no, like anybody you talked to was like, have you dropped there yet? Have you done that yet? Did you see that? And I'm like, yes, bro. Everybody's dropped here. <laughs> Every, and then like I said, and we were already coming up with strats off the top. Like you don't go through the butthole. You land yep. on the outside of the butthole. Outside and go in. Exactly. That's the pro strat. That's the pro strat. It's the pro strat, bro. Pro strat. And like nobody at the beginning was doing that. And I was like, do that. Like, even if you land a POI over, you will still get plenty of kills. If you collect loot and then rotate in, there's people there. Trust me. And then expanding on Wraith and then making it go towards the other area, the big open area on the map. I forget what it's called. Um, but the big open area, you know, uh, going through the corridors, 
I forget now. Man, it's been a minute since I played uh, Kings Can. I'm super it's, excited um, about next split. I forget. Capacitor? Is it Capacitor? Capacitor? Yeah, I think it's Capacitor. Capacitor. Yeah, yeah. Man, and then the uphill to uh, to Cage. Cage is where I like. That's my favorite POI. Um, oh, out of any, like out of most maps, is Cage is one of my favorite okay. ones. But um, just because cage match wwe style oh yeah, so like the land in lay the smack down that's a good author mower yeah. that's that's good exactly. i like that one yeah yeah <laughs> and then mirage voyage man i i there's not like i don't think there's any amount of words that i can say about the times i had at mirage voyage even <laughs> just like players landing there and not shooting each other just partying it I up saw like, that. yeah that was so the many cool good times that was like when I was, I like, I already knew Apex was something special, but when I saw that, I was like, Apex has one of the coolest communities I've ever seen. Like, the exactly. day before it, it was because we announced it was going away for the next season and stuff, and like, lobbies were just, just laying there having a ceasefire, just partying and dancing, teabagging in the hot mm-hmm. tub. I was like, this is amazing. And I unfortunately, I think I was busy with work or something or heard about it too late. So when I did land there, when I got home, people were fighting again. I'm like, this is, yeah. this is not what I was hearing. But, um, yeah, yeah. I saw videos and stuff. And that was, that was amazing. So, yeah, I think it was yeah. a Reddit post or something. It was like everybody meet at Barrage Voyage around 5 p.m. CST or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. everybody did, man. It was amazing to see. So cool. really cool there. And then he worked on map updates. Uh, other than that, um, he worked on World's Edge map update two, which is in season six. You had launch site introduced. You had countdown. You had my favorite area in World's Edge, staging. Staging is my absolute favorite in World's really? Edge. Really interesting. Uh, yes, okay, it is. I like the loop bin, the tri loop bin. Uh, well, I get no, it's four loop bins. Uh, top right corner, up on the uh, uh, on the overhang, on the uh, looking down towards it. That's mm-hmm. where I land every time, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Almost everybody knows that's my bins. Don't <laughs> touch my bins, uh, because most of the time there's at least an Arthur. I want a triple take in that bin. So don't touch my bins. Um, and the overlook area is great. And I love, uh, you know, as soon as I land on those bins up on the top, I go into that little thing that's hanging there. Um, yeah, the hanging for the zip line. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. man. Yep, yep, yep. Unstoppable, unstoppable. Uh, right there. So <laughs> I love yep. staging. That's funny. Uh, and then of, staging. Yeah, no, man, I love it. And then of course the cut through to survey camp from Skyhook. Awesome decision. Awesome decision. I love that. So man. Do you have anything to say about those areas? Like, I don't. Yeah, I mean, cool. I'm sure it's been a while for you, man. But yeah, yeah, that was honestly the first thing I was pretty much knee deep into that um, into season six, uh, World's Edge ME two, when the pandemic hit. So we actually wrapped a lot of that up um, and finalized it from work from home, and that was like a whole process. But yeah, that was my first real big challenge because up until then, I'd been I was still a pretty wide eyed person, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm a pretty good level designer. You know, like the three town takeovers I made are pretty pretty well received by the community which is awesome oh, especially yeah. mirage voyage um so then i was like hey i was i was like um a tasked with a map update which is one of the hardest things um to do to be honest it's very hard to do a map update for our game because you have to you're limited to the technical restraints of what's already there um and like the narrative that's already been established um so like after um the me1 for world's edge like the harvester and the kraken fragment mm-hmm. it was like where do we take the story next like this is, i'm very i like to challenge myself so i'm always like i don't want to do destruction like that's what every br does when it comes exactly, to a map update. Yeah. Well, i want to do something different 
Um, and for the longest time, it was actually supposed to be a Rampart themed update. So like it was going to be the first time we would release a seasonal map update with the character coming out that season. That turned out to be very hard because Rampart was also changing significantly throughout development with her, to her oh, yeah. personality, to her aesthetic, to everything. And that's um, actually where the rising blast walls come from, like the big walls you activate and they rise. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually supposed to come from Rampart themed POIs um, that were interactable. Um, um, build it yourself kind of fortresses so you can yeah. tell on approach if someone had been there because they're building the fortress up and they have to do it manually and, and the walls were cool enough that we kept it when we turned them into launch sites um so yeah it, ideas come from everywhere but yeah that was a that was my first big undertaking and there was as a avid player of apex and someone who watched a lot of the pros and like the top tier streamers it was like world's edge is great but there's a lot of problematic areas including like really tight chokes and death death zones so i really wanted to um for the first time like introduce a lot of new pois which we've done in the past for map updates but also introduce a lot of quality of life changes so new openings um new geyser placements remove the train because a lot of the issues i had with um world's edge or i heard was like yeah the train's cool especially as a landing spot but when the train isn't coming around mid-game you just have you're left with these big empty tracks that are really Mm -hmm. deadly to cross and i'm like if we I remember the lead at the time came up to me and was like, what if we remove the train? I was like, that would be great. Cause then I was trying to figure out ways to create like more little towns and like looting paths yeah. between these giant Absolutely. openings in yeah. the, between POIs, especially around um, places like staging um, and a train yard and stuff like that. Like, cause that's just an open field. So it was like, well, if we, if we remove the train and we didn't have to keep these tracks clear anymore, like, I could place stuff there in loop bins. And um, that's, that's where the whole change um, to all these train tunnels came from, um, which I think Man, yeah. actually helped significantly. Exactly. And I really, what I really liked about staging and countdown, you know, in particular is before that we really had no interactive area other than Mirage Voyage, where you could drop the loot balls or whatever you call them. I don't know exactly what those are called. Are those loop? Is that loop what rollers? Called? I think is what we call them. Loop, loop rollers. rollers. So yeah, yeah. you could draw, you could do that. Right. And, and that was cool. But then, like, you know, you really had no other, like, an area you could change and mold to be your own. And I really like world-building characters. I like ones that, like, can build up walls or, you know, like, the concept for Newcastle that's hopefully coming out eventually with the walls. But we'll see. We don't know yet. Um, You know, but, like, changing, real, you know, making the walls come up so that I can get to my teammates faster if they need my help in, like, a place like staging was always a plus, or, you know, if I wanted to keep a, you know, if I knew a team was activating the wall I and I knew I usually could plan the time I would react to them because I knew how long it took the wall to go up. And so if I needed to loot a little bit longer, I knew how long I had to loot before they could come in on me because I knew that there was a, a zip line on the right side. And I knew that was really the only way that they could get to me is if they take that zip line and I know exactly where they're coming up at. So as far as like staging goes, and that's, that's one of the reasons my favorite is because it's a really good spot to like, know, like if you want to master how to fight there, you can, and it's, you know, and you hear it. It's like, instead of just like, I'm waiting for hearing footsteps or I'm waiting to hear gunfire in this direction. If I hear the stage go off and come up, I know where they're at. I don't, I don't only have to listen to the other cues. And so hearing those other cues that help me kind of alert me as a player, that's what I like about the interactiveness. That's the reason I like uh, phase driver. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute, but really, really like the interactive stuff. And then the last thing that we have here that you worked on is um, of course 
Party Crasher is my absolute, even beat Sears Home Planet, absolute favorite POI or uh, um, arenas map. I love Party Crasher. I love the ship fights. I love the loot being like, okay, I don't really care for the left side of the map as much as I do the right. Uh, the, well, I guess it depends on where you're sitting it from, but yeah, yeah. I love the, the ship side more than I like the other one. And uh, what I really like about the ship side is I love the fight that it takes to get that loot bin over on the right side uh, or over on the far side. And then what I, I, the, the challenging part I really like is whenever you, the circles pulling in towards the city kind of area, I guess you would call it with like the more like uh, the buildings and kind of stuff. And you choose to go the party crasher side because you know, you're not going to get pushed, but then you, the fight down that hill, if the other team is sitting there with snipers and stuff is just, so hard, so hard. And I, but I love like how you only have certain things you can hide behind because it makes the, the push interesting to me. And, and I don't always, I'm not one of those gamers that like to be handed victories. And, and I, 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 I like the aspect of the less cover. I like cover, but like, I like knowing that there's going to be a bit of a challenge to get to this cover um, and, and, uh, and really to figure out how, how to work against that. And like, especially like the most satisfying wins on that map are when you're coming down from that ship and you're trying to push in to the bottom or to the lower land, because you know, that, uh, that's where the circles in closing and you beat them and you, and they have every chance, like they have the high ground, they can get up on top there and they can shoot down at you. They have the loot bin down there. They have the, uh, care package that comes in down there. They can get to all that first and they could beat you. They, they have all the tools to beat you. And then you pull through because your gun skills just that much better or your ability to rotate in, or you're using a wraith portal or whatever your ult management. That's what I really, really like about that map. Um, and then overflow is actually one of my favorites as well. And the reason I like overflow, I like anything that has lava in it, to be honest with you. Really? Uh, lava is just dope. Like the, the only thing I don't like is like, I can't punch somebody in the lava or something yeah, that like that. Was, uh, not, yeah, so. That was a, that was um I, I made that request because Art wanted to turn this into a lava theme map, uh, like on the same plane as World's Edge. And I was like, we can have lava, but I don't want it anywhere in gameplay space. Uh because mm, arenas yeah. was meant to be this more competitive. Um it's it's already frustrating enough um to be losing. You don't need to add extra ha environmental hazards uh to muddy up exactly. these yeah. gunfights. So I was like, we can add it above and for aesthetics, but I don't want it in gameplay space. So and yeah, the artist and I appreciate so. that. You know, yeah. I sometimes I like punching of people in the lava but like world's edge had enough lava to like make me okay for the next 20 games i play because <laughs> golly man lava's cool in some areas like i added it in the center of countdown just because it looked cool um and it was mm. meant to be this no man's land anyway so like why not it just kind of helped yeah. divide spaces so it can be used to advantage but if i have the choice i don't think lava is a very fun mechanic um, No, dome for, is it's a for, for our game yeah. but it's yeah, Dome amazing. Man is one of the best POIs in, in World's Edge as well. And the lava is what takes away from Dome. Like, you know that if you land Dome, you're going to have to go through lava or at least go to Lava City. And then that, even though there isn't much lava in Lava City, it's still got the word lava in it. And you're like, that gummit, <laughs> you can't get away from lava. Yeah. So now that we've talked a little bit about your, like, contributions you know one of your most recent contributions is this sabotaged olympus map update so let's get into that so i had some initial questions i wanted to ask and these are from some of the community members yeah. um crazy he asked does respawn have a way to track player movement uh when when looking at the game and does a heat traffic map exist 
um, where you try to make fewer concentration points of heat areas. And then he also had one uh, where he says, uh, is there a way, do you all see a heat map of gunfights that indicate where players are knocked or died at um, that help derive design well? So I guess really his question is, do you all have access to kind of heat maps that help you guide your choices when making and creating new areas? Yeah, we definitely have the tools to do that and track that kind of stuff. Um, our data team can track a lot, like the most specific details of our community. Like it's actually mind blowing. I love talking with our data team, but you have to be careful because I don't let that data is a good um, tool for like just to see. But when I when I'm redesigning like Olympus for um, Mu two uh, that came out this season, I mainly based it off my own experiences what the community was saying and like my own intuition of what apex is um but yeah we we can see where people land like where fights are happening where people die or go down um and just from my own knowledge i was like we've been trying to expand olympus for a while now because we realized how small and it led to a lot of third parties and everyone going to the labs area and i noticed this a lot in pubs and ranked on my own uh playtime as well and it was a big, I was like, I think it's time, like, it'd be cool if we could expand the map. I think now it's a really good time to try to do that. It was very challenging, but um, we did it. But uh, yeah, I used some of that data. I know I talked with some data folks, um, some of our pro team, uh, internal pro team, just to get their idea of, like, if you were to change Olympus, like, how would you go about it? Um, and, like, people talking about their routing. and Because I usually like to land Oasis and um, Bonsai in a way uh, in on, mm, on okay. olympus and you always usually take the same routes right to solar array or right to labs and i was like well i don't really want that because then you're contributing to the lot of third parties and the need to always go to labs every round exactly um, so i was like we're definitely want to try to expand the south side um and then using my own player experiences and my own knowledge of apex and watching other people in streams and stuff and watching olympus be the ranked map um it it, it i just notice a lot of things and then i let my own intuitions and design goals drive my design decisions rather than actual data. Um, exactly, but yeah, the, yeah. the tools were there. It's interesting to see, but it's not, I don't use it as a good, like for level design, I don't think it's as good of a metric, but it is very interesting to see for sure. Yeah. I would be curious. And I'm, maybe you can tell me this on a, another time bonsai. I want to know which, which square on the top gets landed most. That's what I'm curious. Like the one that's closer to the edge of the map or the one that's like in like, further into the map like right there at the top mm -hmm. i want to know which one gets landed at more because i always land the closest one uh not the one closest to the edge so i'm mm -hmm. curious there that's one of the heat map metrics i'm i'm interested in uh and i would really i'd really i hope that you all publish kind of a heat map i know that y'all had done it before like they had mm -hmm. published a heat map of king's canyon back in the day i would really like to see that for your changes to see what it would look like uh, you know, because it almost seems like more teams are landing in the south area of the map because what I've figured is because of that open area that you all have added the the shifted lands. I've the that is a war zone. We'll talk more about it here soon, but that's a war zone, man. So, next question, real quick, is when did you find out the story behind Phase Driver with like Doctor Silva and Mad Maggie? Um, was this before you began? creating phase driver or like how like were you, like and then the next question kind of from a community member is he asks how difficult is it or how much back and forth is there between level designers storyboard directors and artists because like you know i could imagine like you maybe got the concept of like this is what uh dr silva's planning uh and then you kind of had to put it in like into the map 
And then maybe, you know, have you ever had a moment where you went back to them and then like, no, that's not really what I was thinking kind of thing. Yeah. So in the past, it's usually been because uh, Respawn um, has always been a gameplay focused team or studio, especially on the Apex team, um, where it's mostly the designer. So the level designer, uh, same thing on World's Edge ME2, like it's up to the level designer to come up with the theme and the story for the change. And then that's what leads to mm. um, the new POIs, because as for, for a lot of us and to get narrative on board and artists like they all need to be on the same page. So it's like um, for World's Edge, eventually it became like, OK, it's no longer Rampart themed POIs, but I still want the POIs here. What can we do with these existing pieces in GI already made? And then one of the other um, designers at the time, who's great, he was uh, with like, what if we turned them into launch sites for Hammond? And like that would lead to the like um, lead to the reveal of Olympus. And like that's how all that got kicked off. It was just out of a out of uh, pretty much out of the blue so we're all very adaptive um and in the past the narrative team is like i've gone to the narrative team and it's like this is what i'm thinking about changing uh what do you like does this guy's does this work for what a story you guys can tell and usually they've been like they can come up with amazing stories just based on a few images wow what i'm or even before i'm even blocked it out in game it's like i um like i go up to the writers especially in the it was easier when we in the office but it's like this is what i'm thinking for the theme and they're like we could roll with this this makes sense we could tie rampart into this or we can tie the future characters into this so they're wizards at that stuff i can't talk much about that but i know for olympus me2 it was a, it was really tough to try to find the initial theme to start off of um because that, that's all on me to try to figure out um initially it was going to be the vines right because of the vines that came in in the first yeah, map update yeah. um but that got closed off in a narrative thread already so i was like we can't use that okay um well what else could we do um, there were a lot of different ideas thrown back and forth and usually it was like a lot of back and forth between the different departments art narrative and design um but this one was really tough and it, a lot of it came down to me so i, I was like well my design goals is i want to open up the phase driver make that playable space um mm -hmm. i want i need a poi here where the phase driver would go um, we just didn't know what it, what it would be. And to because I can't, like, if it's going to be, initially it was just a park as, like, a placeholder POI. Yeah, but it was yeah. like, this isn't unique. Like, what, why why no. would they put a park here? And we've already had this with gardens and other parts of Olympus. So, and then I was like, well, someone pitched the idea of, like, what if it was, con what if this new POI was connected with the phase runner opening? So all of a sudden it's like, an, it, it connected to that and used the phase energy for something. And then it was like, okay, what if it was, like, an observatory or, like, a giant telescope or something? And then, out of the blue, I was just like, I, because I needed to get something down for our next meeting. Um, I was like, what if it was just a teleporter? And then I just yeah. started building that. Like, what would a big giant teleporter be used for? And then actually working with marketing and narrative from there, they were like, yeah, we can make this work. And then oh, that's, man. and then I didn't even know about the Silva thing until like really close to, um, to the end of it. Like that's all their realm because they're in charge of marketing and narrative and fitting that all into the, trailer and i'm keeping my head down making the actual map so and then we come in at the end and then we discuss usually about names are usually the last thing to come in so phase driver yeah. um i forget we had a different names like phase driver phase engine um then terminal like out of the blue um came up for the opening the phase runner itself so and then shifted grounds is something i think i just came up with out of the blue because i was like oh, it's it shifted grounds it's not an actual poi so we yeah, can call yeah, it no. whatever um but yeah it, it's it's a collaborative effort to the end for sure yeah in, like, but it's very spontaneous a lot of especially in our live service because we don't have much time like we need to ship map update each season right so uh we don't have as much time to experiment so our team needs to be very adaptive and on their toes and just kind of snappy which is both great and also really tough so 
Yeah, man. See, that is opposite of exactly. <laughs> that is not what I thought happened. Like, you know, as someone like me, it's like you almost think the narrative drives the changes. So yeah. to know that the level designer kind of, and I'm sure there's might be sometimes where it's like the narrative team could be like, this is how we're going. We need to go. Like, this is how the story could, needs to go. But like the fact that the level designer has, you know, that kind of power to, to do that, just that's pretty amazing. So you know, just to move into phase driver. So what made you focus on the Southern part of the map rather than maybe just changing, you know, Hammond labs area is a pretty large area, pretty, pretty huge. Yes, it is. So what made you go like to change and add to the Southern part rather than maybe just altering the Hammond lab area and around that area? You just didn't want people to focus on it. Is that what it was? So the big thing um, initially it was like, okay, well, what are the biggest problems that uh, every time I approach, it's the same way I approached uh, world's edge in season six. It was like, what are some big problems that I'm noticing with the map and how can I make some big changes to alleviate these and also create a fresh new experience for players? Um, like I said, we've been trying to expand Olympus for a while. Um, and it was all focused on the South side in, in previous iterations. So when I was handed the task, I was like, huh, I, I think there's something here. I didn't want to change. And initially when I was just toying with different ideas, different themes, I did change like, the northern side of the map um but it it wasn't enough to warrant that kind mm. of like i need it we only have a certain amount of time and certain resources so i need we need to be smart with how we what we change and how much change we can implement each season um so i was like this isn't worth it so let me just focus on put all our eggs into the south side which is i think it was the right call but i usually yeah. like to hit up a map more spread out so um but yeah we did the south side because instead of changing labs itself because the issue was Everyone's going labs, energy depot, labs, um, and estates every single game. No matter where they land, yeah. they always find themselves in this like middle ring. And I was like, I don't want to change this area because I don't want people to keep going here. I want players to explore other areas of the map and slow it down for mo mostly ranked and competitive play. Mm -hmm. um, and the south side was the perfect way to do that because it, it felt like the less... Uh, because the redeploy balloon solar array was really close to labs and it was only connected with some really tight chokes. So if, what if we like push it all out and expanded the map here? Um, because I also wanted to think about it like, uh, because the current design wouldn't work well if we expanded it along the edges, because then yeah, people already don't go to orbital or bonsai mid game unless the final ring is closing there because it's so exactly, far out. Yep. Um, so I had to think about like, okay, well, people are always going to the center because Olympus is a circular map. Um, let's try to slow it down. So that's that's why we expanded the south side. And if well, it, cool. it's it's yeah. really hard to see the changes if you're as a, as a casual player. But some before and afters, which I hopefully will have when I actually get to Olympus ME2 on my portfolio. But you'll see how much new gameplay space exists where it just was empty air space before. So yeah, no, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a really big ambitious change. But I, I think it, I think it was the right call to make. And super curious to see what future updates to Olympus can be too to farther improve it for competitive and just casual play and as a general yeah no that makes complete sense I, I really like what you did with that so with the with the phaser put in the middle of this area right so the ultimate thing in this area is you have a big giant circular ball floating in the middle um, that drops high tier loot was your focus like you said earlier you know you like to put it where this team could fragment it off where this team lands here this team lands here this team lands here was it kind of like that for this one where you we're able to put like this team land here, this team land here, and then they all push the middle area to try to get that high tier loot. Um, and then of course we all uh, obviously know that the interactive button itself 
you know, is, is meant to really attract people because of the loud noise that goes off. That was in the, in the notes, but is that kind of what you're looking at is, is if multiple teams land this area, then you'll have a big fight there in a focused area. Is that kind of what you were aiming at? That was the goal. Yeah. Um, this, this whole update was really challenging because Olympus, uh, especially that side, because like, like I said, we pushed out, um, it may not look like much, but it actually was like thousands of meters out. So it's, it's a big shift. So we have all this new geo, but I, I, the unique issue is that um, when we push the existing POIs out, like Solar Array, Icarus, and a Bonsai, you're just left with empty space. And I, there's stuff I wanted to do with this geo, but it also needed to connect with the surrounding environment. So in that area, you may not notice it just playing it, but is actually super elevated. Um, the difference in elevation in that area is oh, so yeah. challenging. So Phase Driver was a really tough POI to um, try to design from scratch because of the limitations. Like I needed it to lead up to the high elevation or outside of Bonsai, but also mm-hmm. lead into my new Phase Driver or Phase Runner o- or terminal opening essentially, yeah, and then yeah. lead into the Solar Array area. And like, how do I accomplish? what I want from gameplay spaces while also accommodating the surrounding spaces and making sure it all flows very nicely. Cause if, if it doesn't flow nicely and doesn't fight nicely between um, each other, no one's ever going to go here, which would totally ruin the whole purpose of this update. Um, so f- that's why if you look at it from um, a design standpoint, phase driver itself is very staggered. Um, like it, it, mm-hmm. it's starting from terminal and going up, like it kind of staggers with the elevation. And I tried to alleviate that as much as possible. But uh, yeah, it did the similar approach. It was also really challenging because we, because of memory constraints and time for artists, I couldn't make any other custom assets besides the 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 teleporter device itself. So I had to use existing buildings and structures already on Olympus, which is not my most ideal way to work because it's the buildings for Olympus aren't that intricate in my opinion. Like they're just yeah, kind of like squares or yeah. rectangles. So it's like, how can I create a something interesting for really unique fights and looting? that hasn't already been done with these buildings and uh, mixed with all the elevation issues and uh, memory, uh, technical restraints. Um, so I think all in all, it was a lot of work with the artist and myself and the lead level designer, like just trying to figure out what worked and what was possible. Um, but that's Absolutely. how we did. But yeah, I definitely try to keep true to my own um, philosophy. Like where do I want teams to land? So if you, the way I looked at it, it was like breaking up into three pieces. So you get the upper town where like the buildings are connected along those bridges um, along the edge of the map. And then the center, which is the phase driver device, like the big round kind of circular arena. Yeah. And then down at the bottom, you get like the two buildings and some loop in. So I tried to think about it from three different perspectives. So if people are laying on opposite sides, they meet up and then push and pull between the, the two towns exactly. essentially with the phase runner in the middle. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's and then huge. it's huge. There at the southwestern portion of Phase Driver, you have this connection over to hydroponics. When was that added? Was that like a, at first you didn't have it, and then you realized the choke point going from hydroponics to Phase Driver was going to be horrible, and then you're like, oh, well, I need to add another way to rotate in, or was that always kind of in the design there? That was kind of always into the design, um, the bigger phase driver got, or like this geo, because I, I had to figure out how, how big, how far are we pushing out these POIs? How much space is enough space? Because I also didn't want to run into the issue of like pushing Bonsai and Icarus so far out that it has the orbital cannon issue that no one ever goes here because it's so far away now. So I had to find that happy medium of like adding enough space with the new geo um, that people, that it, it resists some of the instant third parties and labs, but also not so far out that it makes the South side totally un, uninteresting to go to. Um, yeah. But I always knew like, cause before it used to just be one of those exposed highway pieces that people were supposed to take a trident to mm-hmm. that almost no yeah. one ever took. Um, 
So I was like, let's tear this out. Let's add actual geo here. And then how, um, because one of my design goals from the beginning was to connect this outside together. So hydroponics to bonsai. And that's actually where uh, phase driver was. That's why a PY where phase driver is, it was always the goal um, to help connect this outside. And then that geo um, would have farther created a new experience for players as well. So, and I personally like that backside because if I'm coming from hydroponics, I work over the phase driver and then I realize, oh crap, there's a team there at phase driver. I can technically take that back route to bonsai and not get engaged. I like how it connects to going up the hill and then connects into that little tunnel that goes into bonsai. It's a really, really quick escape, especially if you have like a octane on your team. You can jump pad up halfway up the hill. And then I've absolutely loved decimating people from that high gram at hydroponics when they're trying to escape a team. And um, <laughs> from phase driver, I get my triple take out and man, I destroy some people. It's yeah, it's nice. that, that was, <laughs> a, that was another um, prime example of how do you design this harsh elevation fairly? And um, eventually it was just like, this is meant to be like a temporary cover spot. Um, like the single building, some loot, just a way to connect it. But it's, it's definitely not a place you want to be long-term. And that's, that's oh, why it no. connects nicely with like the dirt hill leading up to hydroponics. So there are mm. other options besides this new train. It's just means of a, another means of a better traversal option, which I definitely like when I play around phase driver. Exactly. So moving on to our next POI is terminal. So we have the triangle of death, which like we've all mentioned is that, energy depot into like the the little area of turbine that comes in out to Hammond Labs and you've got estates. What I like to call terminal is my little rectangle of death if you spend too long in terminal. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to hang out in terminal, you're going to die. Um so we had a couple of community questions before we go into just my single question I have about it. Uh crazy said what chokes caused the idea of this added area? Was it to reduce the action at the phase runner junction? So people would use a uh, phase runner for more rotations because a lot of people um, in that phase runner section, that's right above Hammond labs. A lot of people would not, would not take phase runner because you, you knew you were going to run into a team there. Mm-hmm. Um, was that ever a part of your thoughts as you were looking at it? Or was it just that single, that single choke point that led to Hammond's before that made you change it? Um, and then he asked, was the design to actually make rotations slower and reduce third party drop in re in from the redeploy balloons. So um, just both those questions, you know, take, you know, add more flavor to the phase drivers. Cause you know, like I said, they really weren't taking much because of people being scared. I'm still scared to take the one to the yeah. States and then does it cut, you know, to make that rotation a little bit slower. I think you kind of hit on that earlier, but definitely just to ask it again for the community here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those are great questions. And honestly, yeah, all, all the above. Um, little less on the actual phase runner itself, because I wasn't too concerned with uh, people taking the phase runner. I think it was just a neat, like, quick way to traverse the map. Not ideal every match, obviously, and because it is scary, you don't know what's on the other side. Um, but it was, because for the longest time, um, when I knew I wanted to open up the phase runner into this playable space, um, it, there was the question of like, does the teleporter end here? Like, can you access the phase runner from inside this new PO? And I was like, no, I don't think that'd be a good idea because that would just lead to more third parties, right? People from exactly. um, the upper part of the States would then come in from the left and people from the middle choke to get out would all of a sudden come yeah. in and it's just like, it would be way too chaotic. Um, and the whole point of terminal was to slow down the action from people getting to immediate labs. And that's why I actually pushed away solar array, um, remove those redeploy balloons that I know people loved. Um, but so people aren't just flying on top of each other all the time. 
Um, and it, it was meant to slow down those rotations and make squads actually think and de- um, commit to a route. Now, so it's like, okay, do we go all the way around to that top part where the phase runners meet, or do we go through terminal and start fighting from these upper platforms? And it, it's just meant to add more options, especially at higher ranked uh, lobbies. So, um, but it was that singular. Cho- I don't know if you remember, there was a singular choke um, yeah, at yeah. the bottom oh, yeah, that led into labs, and I was like, this is the scale. That's why I even took the redeploy balloon. Why would I? Why exactly. would I ever want to come yep. into low ground? Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing was like, I want to make this more accessible and terminal from the beginning it just kept growing in scope because before it was like initially just an opening on like the left side but then it was like yeah. what if we just turn this into a big giant opening in the phase runner and this is like the big thing that connects the new um terrain zone um to like shifted grounds to this new poi and helps connect labs and it helps connect while also separating labs and um shifted grounds right so yeah which is the big thing and i knew from the get- beginning i needed to design terminal in such a way that it wouldn't be just scary, spontaneous third parties. So I need to make it big and open, but also enough cover and lines of sight so it makes for engaging fights. And the whole design of it, because I knew this this would take a lot of the high traffic. It wouldn't be phase driver, it would be terminal, because it's right next to labs and in the exactly. essentially the new center of this map. Um, so I, I try to look at... Um, it, it's design was to keep people moving between the multiple like, exit and entry like, points. Yep. Listen was- to the developer everybody listen to the developer it's to keep moving it's not to hang out the only places to hang out and i tried to design obviously people can interpret their own way but was meant to be the external platforms so coming into um along the outside so overlooking the labs like that's where you want to hold and then you you can kind of i try to make the interior and outside open enough so you can see third parties coming it's like okay okay, another team shooting me in the back let me get out of here now um mm-hmm, and then vice versa um and then i try to do that on all the sides so it just flows very nicely so you're flowing through the middle and flowing in and out and um you hear shooting so you have to commit to terminal or if it's too scary and rings and you don't want to deal with all that you can go and take like the the phase runner big um choke at the top or the yeah. other one next to uh, states and because of how uh, scary it was to push the phase runner choke at the top um, because no one ever wanted to take the low ground or the redeploy balloons out um, to leave a pressure up there as well. I was like, yeah, this is another reason why we need terminal and open up this phase runner. So yeah, Absolutely. pretty much every, every, every reason he uh, crazy listed is played a part in actually driving these design decisions. Crazy is our in-house data guy. He is, okay. he is data driven, man. He is a, his, his like image for his, his little, uh, banner has him typing away and says stats is like everything on it. So dude's definitely look, he asked some really, really good questions. Really. The only question I had here that I was curious about, I mean, I have a lot of questions. Like we could, I mean, if me and you want to talk about terminal for hours, I have enough to talk about for hours, but to keep it flowing, I had, what made you add that fifth entry point? So you have entry from labs, you have entry from estates, you have entry from the solar array area, you have the entry from the phase driver area, and then you have that little bitty zip line. That's like, yeah. is that the yeah? What what? Why not just four? Was the zip line because like the really? I've died a lot because of that zip line, um, <laughs> mainly because I fell off, or because oh, <laughs> okay. there's a risk of reward to that one. It's like it always yep. gets me for some reason, and even taking it like. But I will say the zip lines also saved me quite a few times because if my team's getting fighting near like the exit to solar ray 
I'll move slowly to the zip line, take it. And nobody ever really thinks that it's there. So I was curious on that. Like, was that just to give another exit out of that South area or was that like, is there a reason behind the zip line just being one of those areas that you exit? Yeah, so I added that fifth opening in Terminal because, like I said, I knew this was going to be a high traffic area. And to keep players moving, because if you didn't have that fifth opening there and it was just like the four like you mentioned, it would just be once you go inside this thing, you're stuck inside. And it's like yeah, a it's big X, bunker. Yeah. Um, and then you would have to fully commit to exiting it or go back, which makes for really tight, scary chokes, especially if the circle's pushing you through here. And that's the kind of chokes I don't like and try to alleviate exactly, in, yeah. in my map updates. So um, having that fifth opening offered like another understandable route and another way to engage in and around this uh, terminal POI. And then that zip line was just kind of a cool way to introduce. So um, because it was so central and I was concerned about third parties, I didn't want to have it be a staircase or a ramp that led up to that uh, opening or that fifth opening because you already had one from the from the other side right um so if you had one there people could push you from all different angles but if it's cut off and you have that gap with the zip line it's a little easier to hold it makes th- where threats can come from a little more understandable um mm-hmm. and then having the fights from the up top part are a little more interesting on the do- bottom below part because it's like okay well i cracked one do we take the zip line and go across which leads us to a pretty scary spot but that's a really risk reward kind of push or do we go around this big giant like generator prop thing there yeah um and then fight them on more even terrain but they might be healed by then so it's just like um introducing ways for players to rotate and engage each other in more predictable and um strategic ways that i try to look at our geo so that's kind of why and it was just kind of a cool like moment um that we haven't really when i blocked it out, i was like this is kind of cool to have this like gap randomly here and then like the elevation that you're fighting up in and it just helps separate terminal um platforms from the rest of the shifted grounds area and kind of exactly help that, uh, transition to help separate yet connect these different areas together yeah and, and speaking of shifted grounds why the bridge we have to talk about the solar array bridge oh yeah the the bridge is risk reward that like okay first off i do like i do like how when i come down from the phase driver if i slowly come down to terminal um in that area i can choose to either keep flowing in the terminal and work my way that way or i look over at the bridge and it's always like do i should thou pass (laughs) right what what was what what made that like stay an open area rather than being just more ground like what kept you from adding more area than like what made the bridge occur yeah so um you're talking about the end of it right on the opposite side of uh, uh the Icarus ship right um yeah, yeah so when i pushed solar ray and everything out and started adding the terrain and like starting to figure out like how this terrain could play nicely because one of my issues with solar ray is that if you since it was right against the phase runner initially um if you remember an original olympus um, you were stuck there if you were on that rooftop. Like you had to go right or left or take the redeploy out of there. The, moving it out just exploited that problem even more. So I was like, mm-hmm. I need to, and I also want it to connect with the new terrain much better. So people coming from the new chokes or terminal can engage and get to solar array um, easier, like yeah. more directly. And I added that other zip line too, but that's like the super, super risky w- w- way, right? Oh, so, yeah. but I didn't, yeah. to try not to mess too much with the solar array, like, design because i think people really like that spot um i just needed to to connect with the new spots i designed from um from the ground up and i need like it it results back to the initial issue of like here's what i want to do with this new map update 
I also need to make sure it, it flows and plays nicely with what's already there around it. Um, and the bridge was just a good example. I added a little bit of cover on it, so it wasn't a total death wish coming exactly, yeah, tra- mm. traversing through it. But I also didn't Appreciate want it to that. be a place player's hold. Like it's not meant to be a place player's hold long term. Like you're supposed to either go to Solar Array or not go to Solar Array. Like this is just a quick transitional piece. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much that and i try to leave it open enough so if you're on the rooftops you can see teams coming across it and i've had some interesting fights there but um yeah, it's, it's it's playing how i hoped it would so yeah no you're you're right it's really like a decisive moment and it could lead to your death mm-hmm. uh or it could like the thing that gets me is it like moving the solar ray on the bridge is really not that big of a deal because most of the time there's not like you can see the team on the top of the building or they're like fighting another team there. So it's kind of your third party. And, but man, if you choose to go terminal, you just, the, the randomness there of not knowing what's going to happen mm-hmm. is like scary to me. So it's really, it's really, for me, it's a really challenging choke to, to really go through because I'm nervous when I come out on the other end. Cause you just get, <laughs> it's like you go from like this little, like you see a little hole in the ground that nobody can cross to get to you. And then you go to this area. It's like, boom, huge area. What do I do next? Uh, this, like what, what decision I need to make as a strategist to do. So, so yeah. And then um, just talking about some of the small additions. So you added some risk reward to recon beacons. And, and what this is going to be is me kind of talking about these for a second and then just saying what I really liked. And then maybe you can elaborate or even say, you know, you agree with me on it, but the risk reward for the recon begins. What I really liked about that was the fact that crypto changes came this season and crypto, it made crypto more appealing because ads adding more risk to getting these recon beacons for these other characters. Crypto is one of those characters that you don't have to, the risk is not there because you're using your drone. So I really liked how that played out. I don't know if you meant for it to be like that, but I like how that went on like hand in hand. That was pretty cool for me. So no, that was actually not um, planned. I didn't actually know the crypto changes were coming out in season twelve until like pretty much the patch notes. That's crazy. Um, I know it was in the works, <laughs> but it was meant uh, that that conversation sparked from talking with our internal pro team, our CLG guys, uh, who are great, and they were like talking about some pain points, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I see, I noticed some of these as well. Uh, but they're uh, they're like they live and breathe this stuff, so they are able to pinpoint exact things. And I, I think there were only a few POIs where I did change the survey beacon positions, but I was like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to have this powerful knowledge tool on top of the power gameplay position as well so like even if you don't have a crypto like it's like okay i'm going for the respawn beacon cover me and then you watch your teammate go over there and hit it and then like just it evolves yeah. more risk reward and that's what i think the the really great part of apex and br in general is especially the exactly pool. yeah and then you had the northeast pass so you added a door there at turbine and rift and really what i like about this is it makes uh, you know, before when people were coming through those areas, and you knew they were, you could just like launch grenades in that little, you know, hold right there. Whereas this gives the team the ability to move out. So like, you know, I've held that area before and I'm always in like, I've wasted grenades on the door because I thought, well, they're going to take the other way out because they've always had that other way. Um, so I thought that was really cool. The ramp grow towers, I, anytime, anything to help with the grow towers area. I'm not a big fan of grow towers at yep. all like i yep. despise the grow towers area. i hate rot- the rotating things so yeah when you're trying to shoot a sniper rifle off those things it just doesn't work very well um and then i i i liked how you move the high tiered loot bins from waterfield to docks i i didn't know that was a thing and then like crazy would be like 
Geo, we have to land docks because I want high tier loot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I landed waterfall and I was like, where's my shields at? And I was like, I was so mad. And then he was like, they're not there. That's the reason I said, let's land docks. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. ah, but at the same time, I really liked how you added it on like a, whoever added it at least added on like a platform there. So like if you went to get them and other people were going for them, they kind of had the high ground on you there where you added them. So it's a really cool, like, you know, another like a risk reward kind of thing that you've done with this, this change especially whenever it comes to high tier waterfall was really never a high risk area because when you saw a team going there, you didn't go there because you knew they were going to get to it first. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, you know, you have the ability to swoop in and and come up from above. If you've landed in docks to kill anybody that's going for that high tier loot. So it's really, really cool aspect there. So I don't know if you have anything you want to say about those areas, but man, such good additions, small additions, but, very powerful. Yeah, the, that actually came from um, the lead, my lead at the at the time. Um, he was also the he, Dave. He was also the original designer behind Olympus. So I'm, I'm guessing he added the uh, high tier lupins at the waterfall initially because he was like, I expect a lot of people to go to labs since it's central, but there's not enough loot for like multiple teams. So let's try to spread out how people land in this middle area. Little did we know how massive and how attractive this whole middle section would be. Um, but he, he, we discussed about changing the Lupin location. It's been like this for two seasons. And with this whole map update, geo goal or design goals being like, let's take a lot of the pressure off of labs. And so people aren't like there right off the bat, let's mm-hmm. move the high tier loot. And then uh, luckily we, we just kind of quickly brainstorm, like where would another try Lupin, be good for and then uh, the docks was a perfect spot it was already kind of designed like you said for the risk reward um it's on a side that no one really goes to like i like landing docks and it's rarely contested um but um yeah it's like bring people out to the far edge that no one ever goes to and then have that offers a new experience for players as well and that just drives back to how do we make offer new new experiences on olympus through these map updates and that was like a perfect um stars aligned kind of moment yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, and if we ever play together, I'm a power grid solar array guy. Just let Ooh, you know. Okay. Uh, those are my two areas, especially power grid, the most northern section of power grid. Love mm. it. Like, love that area. And I love fighting at power grid and solar array because there's a triple take there. Like, that's the only reason. Oh, you like array. the sniper yeah. build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, solar array. So, the last thing I want to do before we close up the show, uh, by the way, anybody still listening? Thank you. We're an hour and like 50 something minutes into this thing and we're about to close up, but man, this has been eye opening for me. Uh, and then just talking about your history and where it's kind of led to now is just great. And I think this would be a really great spot to end on is, you know, in this kind of huge map update, uh, that you've done here as, as one of your big ventures here at the end of this, you know, season it was season 12 minutes, been a lot of long time. Apex has been out. Um, you know, you had some goals that you listed in the article that you wanted to achieve. And I just wanted to give my feedback to you as a player um, about this. And then, you know, you can take it as it is, but I wanted to take this moment to be able to straight, just straight talk to a dev about the way I felt about certain things. So the goals uh, here are the first one is expand the map, which I think you did spreading squads out more. So the map center area lab estates isn't the only go-to combat zone each game and reducing frequency of spontaneous third parties um so here was my opinion on it and you can take it as it is or i don't know maybe you're just like hearing uh, you know the way that players think terminal has caused players to detour when heading to lab estates which is pretty much what you wanted right 
you know, it's either going to be a deterrent or it's going to be, let's rotate through it quickly and move. And that's exactly what it's done. Um, but terminal itself has also been uh, proven and it really came from the early, co- like early landing at terminal that really had this, like, cause it took a while for me to figure out how to use terminal. Um, it was like, do I stand here and fight? Where do I position myself? What, what do I do when a third party attacks me? There's so many different routes. You know, what if I run into another third party? Um, but I always, like I said, I like calling it that rectangle of death just south of the triangle of death. It's like if there was a Bermuda rectangle or like just south of the Bermuda triangle. Um, I did put that third parties are pretty normal to terminal, but like, like you've kind of, uh, you know, talked about um, is, you know, the, the need to rotate through this, it, this point, like terminal at first was just like, Oh man, what did he do? And then now it's turned into this, like, it makes sense. And it, it took a little while for me to realize that, like, if I'm coming from phase driver, I stick to the left side now and I go to estates, right? If I, if I come from solar ray, I don't try to cross over to get to estates. I stick to the side and go Hammond labs. And then when I get into the open space of Hammond labs, I can make my decision where to go from there. Right. So it, for me as a player, uh, if, you know, whether that be gold, platinum, casual, it's been, really just eye opening in, you know, usually when I take a choke, there's not a lot I think of, but what this has really done for me is it's allowed me to think of chokes in a different light because terminal is not your normal choke, but in reality, it's a choke within a choke chokes within a choke. So really enjoyed that. And so I think that as far as your goal there, I'll give you an a plus you achieved it. I'll give you an a plus there. So, um, then talking about goal number two, better rotational options to help players get around and out of dangerous choke points. Um, I put the addition of phase driver has made the rotation from hydroponics to bonsai, bonsai plaza much, much better. Beforehand, I did not like landing south. Like if I wrote, if I was at hydroponics, I went to estates. There was no other rotation for me um, and, and to Oasis because I really like the high ground over there. Um, you know, above uh, the you know transition to Oasis. I thought it was a, a more safe transition. Uh, phase Driver has really added a safer transition from Hydroponics to Bonsai. And Bonsai is one of my favorite places to fight. So I really appreciated that. Um, one of my favorite spots is that Southern area. The, the ability to rotate there and to get to Bonsai so quickly, but even just to have the high ground on Hydroponics. Um, and then like, to, to make the decision to take that choke. And even for me, uh, taking the trident from hydroponics and going around uh phase driver through the, with the trident to get the bonsai and then over to Icarus, um, or even to orbital cannon. If, if the final ring is an orbital cannon, so I can get the high ground quickly. If I've landed hydroponics, I really enjoyed that. Um, I put that terminal, you know, move past phase driver, uh, is the choke within a choke. I said that. And then I said the the changes to solar array have been the hardest for me. Uh, personally, um, I put, I die in front of Icarus a lot. Like I, I do like it's personally like in, in the thing that gets me at Icarus is instead of it being like a transition, kind of like a, you know, no, like a, I think before, I don't know it like the, the, the multiple levels now that you have with Icarus and then like the, the moving from Icarus into solar ray and then choosing which play you want to rotate out. There's just a solar ray has kind of come this become the central hub 
when you're leaving Icarus and stuff and more, it's less of a POI for me other than of course, landing for the, for the, um, but it's more for me, solar ray is almost like the terminal of the Southern portion of the map when you're rotating between bonsai solar ray and even up to Hammond lab. So there's like, it's like multiple chokes in that little area. That's really, really interesting, but it's been fun to, to, to figure out. Um, and it has made me rely more on my gunplay. So overall, you know, adding better rotations, there's definitely more rotations. I can't argue against that. Um, some of the, I, I would say you have, because of the more rotations, you don't have as many dangerous choke points. So you have done that, but just terminal itself feels like a dangerous choke point, <laughs> choke point for me, which is like, which is meant, I mean, it's supposed to be dangerous if you sit there, like you said. So, you know, uh, kudos for that, you know, really good. I think you met your goal on that too. And then lastly, you said the new interactive map toy and play spaces to help attract players in new areas. Um, yes, yes. Uh, phase driver has added, uh, you know, I think it's the only interactive other than now the Icarus key card, right. Other than being able to open up that door at the front. I don't think there was anywhere else that there was an interactive spot on this map. I can't think of any, Oh, well, uh no no fight night they're just they just spawn in the ring so there's no interactive there yeah so that's the only interactive part on this map that can pull players in so to add it to an area that needed traffic was a a plus like you that's how you definitely would have done it like you have to you know if there's no area to be interactive on the the northern part of the map if you put the interactive on the uh, southern part of the map anybody that lands Southern part map is going to have to rotate through that POI. So if anything, it was a way to make sure your, your work gets showcased to the players because they're going to go to it because it's, so <laughs> it's there and it's the high tier loot, making it a high tier loot area was also very refreshing because the closest high tier loot area for that area was Elysium for me. Like Elysium was kind of like, if you want high tier loot, you drop there, but really you know, other than sniper high tier loot, there was nothing else on the Southern part of the map that really called spoke like, Hey, if I want to get a gold or a purple shield, I need to land here. So, you know, great there. Um, and then I just love the fights there. I love how they, you know, the, the risk to reward on the interaction. Um, and I, and I actually, it, it feels, I will say this phase driver feels like a safe place for third parties because you can often see third parties coming in phase driver because they either rotate in, like usually it's you're on the most Southern part and they rotate in from terminal. So you're going to see them coming at you. It's not like you haven't put so much cover in that area that it's hard to like see somebody coming. Um, of course, you got the whole audio issue, which is whatever, but, uh, but like you, you can tell they're coming. That's one thing I like about it. That you can, you can spot people. So, you know, overall, like at for as far as like adding an interactive, you know, other than of course your phase your phasers are interactive, but there's really no like we've said there's no reward for that because since since now when you don't have the choke points that you have now, it's been like total risk. There's been no reward to rotating like that other than getting out of the ring, but then you're just going to land into another team. So this is the only really interactive part on the map that you get reward from um, more than you get risk. So really, really good there. And so if I had to give you some of my criticism on the changes and, and the goals that you all set out for yourself, you know, I say you passed all your goals and you did, you did more than just that. So uh, just say, you know, from, from somebody who's a player, it's always our, 
dream, right? You know, when I bat, when I used to play Madden, I always wanted to play. I always wanted to talk to like John Madden because who is that guy? And then I wanted to talk to people that design the design the game. Uh, when I played Halo, the same thing. And now getting to sit here and talk to you about like the changes that you made, like personally made uh, to to Olympus, which is for me one of my favorite maps because it's so colorful. Like I love how colorful, you know, you got King's Canyon, King Canyon's bland world's edge. is just like somebody threw up on a plate. Like, a yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a lot it was, of different it colors. Was, I'm glad the original lighting's back for world's edge. Yeah. 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 Especially in King's Canyon, original light, light was, it was great, but, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I was never a fan of world's edge. I'm more of a fan now because of the, I've realized that it is the best ranked map pretty much. And, and, you know, players have said that uh, storm point, I, I could have lived without that map. No offense to whoever created it, but I just don't it, like it. It's killers. also, uh, that was uh, the same guy who did World's Edge. So, see, that's interesting yeah. to me because they're complete, like, they're just, it's like pushing up a hill. And I'm not one to, now, like, there are some places in Storm Point that I, like, Barometer, holy crap, I love Barometer. Like, mm-hmm. if there's anywhere, any, like, any POI I'd pick on any map to land, like, Barometer's one of my, fir- like, top really? ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love Barometer. Love fighting there. I Now, there's some other places on that map that I despise fighting, but uh, Barometer's one of my absolute favorites. But, yeah, so, just overall, man, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know it was a long show, but, man, you answered so many questions that I had. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm thankful that, I was able to go back to the dropping spicy interview you did. And I, and I haven't had a chance to thank you for doing that back then for them. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on there for them, but I was able to go back there and be like, okay, I know who he is now. So I'm going to ask him more in depth questions. And so I definitely think we were able to achieve my goal of, of that. So uh, again, thank you for all the changes you brought this season. I look forward to what you're going to do in the future, you know, whether that's apex or whatever your next venture is. Um, so with that, man, uh, do you have anything you'd like to say uh, maybe to the players listening or to your to your coworkers or anybody you want to shout out? I don't know. I just always open it up for anything you'd like to say. So I mean, uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks for having me again. Uh, and I, I, I'm always happy to talk in depth about what I do. It's just it takes a long time because being a level designer at Respawn, especially on Apex, is such a loaded position. And there's so much we do and so much thought we put into everything. Um yeah, I, I really appreciate just coming on, Chen, and uh, hopefully I answered all your questions. And thank you for all the nice compliments and feedback on um, Olympus ME2 that came out this season. Yeah, uh, because it, this was, I was really nervous. We only play tested it like four times in the whole development um, because work from home is tough. Um, oh, yeah. But um, yeah, so a lot of those decisions just came down to like my own intuitions. And I, I think in some, nothing's ever perfect. Um, like mm-hmm. I would go back to, on a lot of different things I've made for Apex and just like tweak some small things. Um, but it's it's good enough. So, and I'm I'm glad people are enjoying it for sure. And I'm glad my yeah. design goals were met. But yeah, we'll definitely have to play sometime, dude. It's exactly we, yeah, we have to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, we, it's enough for me to like sit here and tell you, but like to actually play it with you would oh, be yeah. like that would be a totally because I you'd be like I'd be like let's do this rotation. You'd be like, why is he rotating that way? That's not what I meant. <laughs> so, it'd be really funny to see, you know. Apex is a totally different game depending on who you're playing with, and it's 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 an amazing thing. It's one of the reasons why I think Apex is so addictive. So, oh, it's a different yeah, it's, experience. It really yeah. is. It gets your adrenaline pumping. It you you get sweaty palms. It's awesome. Oh so. yeah, it's a super sweaty game. Oh yeah. I guess with that, yeah, we'll close out the show. So thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure you visit our link tree at linktree forward slash br underscore broadcast where you will find 
all of our links. That's our Twitter, our Discord. If you want to get into our Discord, Malvo, where you go, buddy. Um, and then uh, Alex here. I know I know that you have a Twitter at Alex underscore Grainer. And then you have your website at Alex Grainer. Is there anything else or is that just mainly your two areas? Yeah, those are my on? two main ones. Uh, and then I'm always open for DMs always open. You guys can always shoot me an email. Um, so for any questions about breaking it in, into the industry, I can only talk about level design for uh, specifically and respawn what we look for but it de- just depends on what you want as a career but yeah it's a super fun career path super hard it takes a lot of work a lot of uh self-learning but um I, I feel like with like if you have the time and passion for it anyone can get it so more than happy to help out so absolutely man well i appreciate you offering that service to everybody and i definitely if you're interested in video games take advantage of that you don't often see that um you know people you know going out of their way to help people so you know definitely take Alex up on that offer. That's something that you're interested in and do not be just, just straight from me. Do not be one of those people that you try to, you know, message him to get like leaks and stuff. My, I would <laughs> yeah. expect Alex to not even message you back. So yeah, no, I can't be, talk about that. Don't stuff. be that. Yeah. Don't be that person, please. If you're listening to us, just respect him as a developer and make sure you stick to the questions about what he does. So, so yeah. So with that, we'd like you to please share the show with your friends. And of course, the best thing that you can do for us is to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Uh, be like Malvo. Go on to Apple right now. Hit the five stars. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Um, let us know how we can improve. I mean, if you want to leave a one star review and tell us we're horrible and this is what we need to do to improve, I'll I'll take that too. Any kind of criticism to make the show better, I am up for it. So. With that, we will see you here two weeks from now on broadcast. Thank you for joining, everybody. Appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.